What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the second episode of the V1 Rotate Aviation News Podcast. I really hope you guys are excited for today's podcast episode. We have a bunch of awesome news to dive into today. So much context and uh, so much awesome news today. There's happened. Uh, there's been a lot that's happened over the last two weeks, and we have a lot of awesome news here today. Great headline news, route news, fleet news, industry news, airline news. We got all kinds of situations from, unfortunately, winglets coming off aircrafts to mergers to uh, new airlines. We have so much to talk about today, and I really hope you guys are excited for it. Unfortunately, Citrus Aviation is in Dallas for the week, so he had to take off this week. But luckily, AS Aviation was nice enough to join me for episode two of the V1 Road Tape podcast. I cannot thank him enough. If you guys don't know, Aviation or AS Aviation excuse me, has an awesome YouTube channel with almost 20,000 subscribers. He makes some absolutely awesome content. He has so, many, so much knowledge about aviation in general, not only the United States sector, but also Pakistan on as well. He has so much knowledge about the Pakistan aviation field and so many logistics of it. I highly recommend checking out his YouTube channel if you haven't. It's absolutely awesome. Great channel. He does so much amazing stuff. But I'd really like to introduce AS Aviation to the V1 Rotate Podcast. Welcome on to the show, my man. Thank you so much for having me on. It's uh, it's really great what you guys are doing with the podcast and uh, it's, really, it's an honor to be able to come on and help you guys out with it. Um, it's going to be a fun episode. I in all honesty, I'm not sure how these episodes go, but um, I'm excited to join, and we got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. So, um, yeah, as you wish. And that's. You're good, and that's kind of how it goes sometimes. As you guys know, with us teenagers, it is really busy with college and everything. AS just finished his uh, freshman year at Illinois, so it's very, very busy, but I'm definitely going to get him into the flow here, and again, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. So again, definitely check out AS Aviation. We really appreciate it, and Citrus will be seeing you on next time. And If you guys want to see AS next time as well as going into the future, be sure to check out his channel let him know that we sent you to his videos. Comment in his comments section that you came from the V1 Road Take podcast. We appreciate that, and I'm sure he would really appreciate the support but nevertheless let's not waste any further time and get started with today with the headline news as we have a lot of awesome stuff going on uh, what's not so awesome, though, beginning today with an Envoy Ember Ear J-175 lost a winglet above Alabama, which this was a very interesting situation. So, unfortunately, due to some major turbulence, an American Airlines flight, this was AA-3729, was scheduled from Charleston International Airport in South Carolina, flying to Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport on an evening flight. Unfortunately, the aircraft was feeling some significant turbulence over the Alabama area, and unfortunately, after a 20-minute late departure, it lost its winglet in flight. The aircraft was luckily safely able to divert to nearby Birmingham, Alabama as it was passing right by before it had to make an emergency descent to land on the 3600 meter runway 24 which I think somewhere in the ballpark I believe of like eight, 9,000 feet somewhere in there but really glad that aircraft was able to land safely. The aircraft was November 233 November, November. I believe I've seen that aircraft quite a few times which uh, it's been nice to see. That aircraft was delivered to Envoy back in May of 2016. It's a 76-seater obviously of course for Envoy it's a five-year-old aircraft and uh, absolutely crazy so luckily the aircraft is okay and uh, i believe they were able to get a replacement aircraft to fly the rest of the flight but it was really interesting and especially seeing the pictures the aircraft looked like pretty much a 737 classic without the wing which which was quite interesting uh quite an interesting look for that aircraft and it was really weird it kind of looked like an ember e2 pretty much so definitely very interesting but luckily i was able to land safe and definitely an interesting way to get a start with the headline news today yeah, for sure. It's uh, when I first saw the pictures of it, I I couldn't really believe what I was seeing because I 
I didn't know that winglets could fall off like that because of turbulence. And yeah. It's kind of scary, too, how bad that turbulence, turbulence must have been if the winglet was, you know, able to come off like that. Um, but so many questions that come into some come into one's mind when you see pictures like that. Like, was the winglet, first of all, was it secured on the wing properly? And just, again, like, how does a winglet fall off because of... Um, severe turbulence and then furthermore how bad was that turbulence really um according to like some passenger uh, accounts that i read in some of the articles they said it was pretty bad so i mean that doesn't really help a lot but um you can only imagine just how bad it must have been um and then yeah i agree with what you said earlier regarding how the the wing looked like it looked like nothing i've ever seen before like you said 737 classic which is which does look pretty similar to that um but I've never seen an E-175 without a winglet. Uh, so it was just really weird, and that's all I can say regarding it. I'm glad everybody was okay, and I'm glad the aircraft is also pretty much, it wasn't really harmed at all. So, um, But yeah, that's definitely not something you see every day, and first time I've ever seen any news like that before. Okay, and the next news that we have to discuss today is a upcoming merger between two major Colombian airlines, uh, Avianca's Colombian division and also Viva. Uh, so basically these two um, airlines, there's a lot of mergers going on these days. You know, we heard Frontier and Spirit um, are planning to combine to create the world's, uh, you know, huge superpower of a low-cost carrier. And then JetBlue is looking to take over Spirit as well. Um, and then now we have Avianca and Viva who are looking to join forces, which... I would say is some pretty good news. Uh, Latin America as a whole is a really big market. Um, Low-cost airlines have really transformed not just South America, but Latin America as a whole. Um, That includes Central America, like Mexico as well. I don't even know if Mexico counts as Central America. I've heard it's actually North America. So, but it it doesn't, whatever the case may be, it's uh, still low-cost, low-cost aviation is huge um, in Central America, Mexico, just all, you know, North America, Central America, South America, it's really transforming that, this whole area, and matter of fact, the world, uh, I should say, I don't even know why I, I focused on just one part, but um, I think it's great news, Viva and Avianca are looking to join forces, um, I don't know exactly how long the transition would take, but the, you know, according to Simple Flying's article, the transition would definitely join or strengthen the uh, aviation industry in Colombia which is great. Uh, Colombia is a huge market as well. Like I mentioned earlier with low-cost a- aviation, it's transformed Colombia as well for the better, um, adding capacity and lowering fares, which is great. Um, but that's really all. I don't have much knowledge regarding Viva or Avianca. Avianca is a huge airline. Uh, mainly they, they are based in Colombia, I think, but they also have a Costa Rican subsidiary. They have a subsidiary in El Salvador, and yes, I don't yes. think they have one in Brazil, but they might. I think they had one in Ecuador as yeah, well. I yeah. can't remember, but they have. Mm-hmm. They're they're a huge yeah. group, and then Viva's the low cost airline. So, um, Avianca being a full service, most mostly carrier, um, joining forces. Kind of like, like JetBlue Spirit, Spirit a little bit. bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just I don't want to say it's weird, but it's interesting. Uh, interestingly enough, Avianca, I've heard they've kind of been going downhill with regards to their service um, because they are full service carrier. Um, I've heard their, you know, reviews have been getting a little progressively worse. So I'm not sure what to expect. If it is going to improve the industry in Colombia, that's great. Uh, but 
let's um, let's hope for the best, I guess. So, what do you what do you think about it? Yeah, I completely agree. And again, it's really interesting because, like AS said, we have so many darn airline mergers going on nowadays. I can't even keep my ducks in a row in terms of what to expect because sometimes it's low cost, low cost. Sometimes it's full service, full service. Sometimes it's a mix of the two, and that's exactly what we have with the Vita and um, uh, Avianca now. As far as I'm aware, if I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure Avianca was in financial trouble for the longest time, and I think they're just now getting a little bit better. So maybe that's why their reviews plummeted. But yeah, I it's very unfortunate. I feel like you know you obviously have so many things nowadays with all the cell phones and all the all the various forms of entertainment that maybe that contributes to why some people are a little bit more. I guess. The uh, the perception of what enjoyment is on a flight has really tanked recently. I guess a lot of people are just kind of so eager to get where they want to go, and then you have to have all the Wi-Fi perfect and all that so people can be on their phones and all that, and they don't want to pay for it or whatever else. So I feel like maybe all of that's contributed to various airlines potentially perhaps. But, yes, it's a very interesting situation. Um, obviously, Vita um, – it seems like they've kind of just rose onto the scene too because I feel like over the last couple of years they've finally started making their presence known a little bit because I didn't really know about them much till I think 2020 late, somewhere, somewhere in late 2020, definitely during the pandemic at some point. But yeah, it's a very interesting thing. It's going to be really interesting to see. Again, it really reminds me a lot of the Spirit Jet Blue. Maybe it gets turned down immediately. Who knows? But again, I can't even keep my ducks in a row with a lot of this stuff. But it's very interesting for sure and I'm really eager to see where it's going to go for sure. So it's going to be very, very interesting. What's uh, more unfortunate than interesting, though, going into our next article is United Airlines passengers somehow, someway got an emergency exit open at 4.30 in the morning at Chicago O'Hare International Airport and got arrested for it. So, yeah, a flight was arriving in from San Diego into O'Hare at 4.30 in the morning on the red-eye service, and unfortunately, the the guy I... I don't know what his intention was. It doesn't really say too much, but unfortunately, he uh, opened the door and uh, caused some huge havoc, which was very unfortunate. Um, it was the second exit on 737-900 and Road 21 over the engine. So uh, they're going to be getting that court case going on June 27th, but it's really unfortunate. Uh, there was some uh, unfortunate, <laughs> kind of some sarcastic tweets going on at that point. So yeah, um, again... Just a very oddball time of the day, 4.30 a.m. to just decide to yeet out of the aircraft after a four-and-a-half, five-hour service. I think it's like four, something like that. But, yeah, absolutely crazy. Again, this flight was from San Diego to Chicago, United Airlines Flight 2478, ironically, on Wednesday, May the 4th. And, yeah, uh, very, very interesting. And I'm sure AS can attest to it being a fairly long flight as he actually got the flight there and back when he went to San Diego recently. So that was very, very cool. But, yeah, uh, definitely a very interesting situation. I don't know um, from pelicans on the ramp to people jumping out of aircraft to uh, winglets coming off in mid-flight. What more can you expect at this point? Aviation's going absolutely insane. It's absolutely crazy. FAA posted an awesome graphic of what the uh, unruly passenger rate's been as of late. And obviously, uh, it went up exponentially due to the pandemic, of course, with all the violence and everything. People kind of forgetting how to act going forward. And it's definitely got better. Unfortunately, one thing, or not unfortunately, excuse me. One thing that I think has contributed to it a lot, whether you want to call it fortunately, unfortunately, is the removal of the mask mandate recently. I saw that Southwest has been having a lot less issues because of that so i think that that could be a cause of it i don't i mean yes it's i guess people think it's annoying and i i don't disagree with that by any means but i don't know why it's a deal that caused huge fights over and everything in aircraft i just don't understand and then we had seat reclining for mike tyson last time as well so 
Speaking of which, he's not going to be uh, getting fined, which is blows my mind. But nevertheless, it's absolutely crazy. Who knows where it's going to go? And these crazy events, whether it's seat reclining or uh, jumping off an aircraft wing or whatever. And then the Alaska event happened a while back, too. So, I mean, it just blows my mind, AS. Would you have to agree with that? It's absolutely crazy. For sure. Um, and just like you said, there's just been... Just aviation as a whole has been really insane lately. You know, you've been, you've been hearing so many uh, accounts of people jumping on the aircraft wings, not even passengers, but like random people breaching the perimeter and climbing onto planes, like the winglets, whether they be sitting on the wing or hanging off the winglet. Um, it just it's just crazy. I don't know what else to say. Um, this was especially this case of the dude opening the window on the 737 from San Diego. That one was especially mind-boggling because it was 4:30 in the morning, um, and like you said, I don't know why he did that. Um, whether he was trying to get off early or something, I don't know. Uh, but definitely not the first time we've ever heard of somebody opening the exit door and just trying to get off early. I guess. Uh, but yeah, hopefully we'll see more of these inc- less of these incidents because of the mask mandates removal. But um, I'm honestly a loss for words. I don't know what else to say other than uh, people are weird, and this is why we can't have nice things. Um, but what is nice is uh, a new airline for Canada, Lynx Air, uh, just started its first not just but recently operated its first flight from Victoria, Canada, which I believe is on. Uh, west coast near Vancouver Um, and so they operated their first flight from Victoria to Calgary and that was operated by 737 MAX it's about a 450 mile flight from Victoria to Calgary that's like western Canada to pretty much central Canada. It's near Toronto I believe yeah Yeah. Um, so Victoria to Calgary that's like yeah western to central Canada somewhere like that Um, which is good uh, Lynx is a new, air, new, a new airline, like I mentioned, and Canada's been really growing as far as the domestic market goes. Um, air travel in Canada has historically been really expensive. You know, you'd probably be seeing fares go up to like $450 for a flight between Toronto and Calgary, for example, but um, with new carriers like Lynx and Flair, who are both um, ultra-low cost, um, they're trying to bring that overall cost of travel, traveling by plane domestically in Canada down. And uh, from what it seems like, they've really done that. And, uh, you know, Lynx Air starting new services to previously, not previously, but, you know, smaller Canadian communities. I'm not specifically talking about Victoria because Victoria is a fairly sizable community. But, um, you know, low-cost market, low-cost airlines targeting underserved markets that, you know, Air Canada and WestJet and whatever don't really look at. I think it's really good. And even if they aren't targeting markets that the, the legs carriers do serve, um, they will contribute to fares being much lower because Air Canada and WestJet, uh, well, WestJet's not really a, full, a legacy airline, but Air Canada, for example, they definitely are more expensive than the rest of them. Um, so it's great to see Lynx Air and low-cost airlines you know, contributing to making air travel more affordable within Canada because um, Canada's a huge country and you don't have much, uh, many options to travel domestically you know you could take the train which is also expensive and it takes forever um, or you can drive which is not really the best option considering you know Canada is the second biggest country in the world by land area the weather conditions that too yeah um, so air travel is really a 
really important for Canadians if they want to get from one end to the, one, uh, one, end, one end of the country to the other. Um, so it's great news to see links there expanding. And um, yeah, I, that's really all I can say. Just like the U.S., uh, low cost travel is revolutionizing, re- revolutionizing the industry. So yeah, what do you think about it? Yeah, I completely agree. And to see all these new airlines in Canada has been really cool. Of course, you also have, in addition to what AS said with links in um, Flair, you also have, uh, I think there's a new airline that's going to be with Q400s. Their name slipped my nine right now, but I'm pretty sure they'll be going. And I think Porter is also revolutionizing their fleet as well. I think they're getting E95s, which is really exciting. I'm pretty sure that's the case. Could be wrong on that, but it's something like that. So that's absolutely awesome. And Air, uh, excuse me, they're going to be great compliments to Air Canada, WestJet, everybody that we already got. So really excited about those efforts. And I think they're going to continue to do really well. Again, it's a very interesting market. Of course, you have a lot of smaller cities and a lot of very unique markets compared to the United States. There's a lot more um, there's a lot more distance between some of the bigger areas in Canada. So it's definitely going to be really interesting to see how it goes down. But I feel like the Max will be a huge aircraft for both Flair and Lynx to make it happen. And I definitely expect links to also make it down to maybe even Mexico and the Caribbean at some point. I think it's definitely a great way to end our headline news, which will take us straight into our route news as we have a lot of really fun stuff going on in the route news department. Various new routes and different aircraft changes, resumptions is still big. Believe it or not, guys, 24 months after the pandemic started or 25, 26, I don't know what it is at this point. I've lost count. Regardless of what it is, we're still seeing a bunch of resumptions, and that will include the Airbus A380 for Qantas coming back to London, which is super exciting, in June. So this is really exciting to see the well for Qantas finally making back. I don't know about you guys, but the Qantas wells are really iconic part. It's kind of like, for me, British Airways, Air France, Lutonza, then you have Qantas and some different airlines there, too. So that's kind of my big group of A380s. Emirates, of course, duh. But yes, it's going to be on June 19th, which is going to be absolutely awesome. As you guys may or may not know, the route goes through Singapore. Yeah, I think it's Singapore, isn't it? Uh, so no, no, I'm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Singapore. Sorry, there we go. So said something about uh, Dry uh, Darwith, I think. So I think that's where it got messed up somewhere there. But yeah, through Singapore. So. Very excited to see that. That's QF1 and 2. So, again, this is a long flight, but I'm really glad to see that it's going to be coming back through here to 380. So, I think this should be doing pretty well. We've seen some new announcements from Qantas, which has been really, really nice. So, I think that they're going to be doing great. It's going to be really interesting to see what they'll do going into the future with this route as well. Of course, as they have the Airbus A350 now in order with their Project Sunrise project, as discussed in the last episode. And, again, I'm really excited to see where it's going to be uh, go, going uh, forward. Excuse me. The A380 in, in general for Qantas, I'm really glad it made through the pandemic i'm sure as would agree to that really hope to see it back at dallas that would be really really cool but i don't know if we're quite going to get there so but still really cool to see it flying to lax and now back to london and everywhere that's been flying so very glad to see that for out news as would you have to agree with that 100 um just like you said it's great to see you know the world pretty much returning to normal um qantas was really you know, it was un- uncertain on when they would resume or reactivate their A380s, and you know, some said it would be 2022, some said 2023, um, but I'm glad that, you know, their reactivation came sooner rather than later. Um, I was kind of surprised that they're going to be reinstating the 380 to London uh, to have it go via Singapore. Um, they're going to reinstate it in favor of the 787, which I'm pretty sure it goes nonstop from London to Darwin and then Darwin yeah. to yeah. Sydney. Um, mm-hmm. So it's interesting to see that they're going to have the, the one stop on the 380, which is you know obviously much longer than the 787, which can do it nonstop from England to Australia. Um, but either way, I mean, if it's another A380, then 
that's that's awesome. And you know, the A three eighty from Qantas, it's a legendary airplane. I mean, especially for for us in the U.S. You know, I personally haven't been to LAX before, but Dallas is where I saw my first Qantas A three. Or no, that's not right. But um, I saw my first Qantas A three eighty in London actually in twenty eleven. Um, I saw it landing in the distance, and it, I was—I just remember being so fascinated by it. Um, but you know, I got to see the A three eighty more often in Dallas, and then, of course, when the pandemic hit, Qantas stored all the A three eighties. They suspended Dallas, um, and then obviously they recently resumed it with the seven eight seven to DFW. But it's just obviously not the same. Uh, so yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited that Qantas is bringing more three eighties back. Um, like like you said, I really hope they can bring it back to Dallas uh, because. You know Dallas, the 380 in Dallas. It's it's a, I don't know what else to say. It's, it's a vibe. It's a it is a vibe. It's a massive vibe. Um, yes, it's it just is. it's just cool seeing a, the the Qantas A380 so far from from home in Dallas, uh, and yeah, best of luck to Qantas for you know bringing back the 380 to London. And you know their London flights have been doing really good. You know, Simple Flying's article says that their London service is returning to pre-pandemic levels which is awesome, and yeah, it's great. I'm sure the London spotters and everybody over there are really excited to see the, the Qantas 380 back, and all the best. So, um, more on route news, Avello, which is, I'm sure most of you heard of, it's they're one of the newest low-cost carriers here in the United States. They recently launched four new routes from their New Haven base um, up in Connecticut. Uh, new Haven previously didn't have any airline service. They had American Eagle for some short uh, for a while to Philadelphia, and then American they ended that route to New Haven. Um, Avello swept in back in I think November and yep. opened a, a new base there, which is great. Um, low cost airlines, like we mentioned earlier in the pot, in this episode, um, they've been revolutionizing everywhere in the world, and especially in the U.S., they've really contributed to lower fares, and they've been targeting smaller communities and c- contributing in a positive manner to, to these communities. So, uh, as uh, the Simplifying article states, Avello is going to be introducing, I think, how many routes is it? Four? Four. Four brand new routes? Probably okay, four. to New yes. Haven. Um, and they'll be starting, they've actually already started, I think, um, to Charleston, South Carolina, yeah. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, Nashville, and Savannah. And then eventually Avello's planning to do new service to Baltimore, Chicago, Midway, Raleigh, yeah, and Wilmington. Those are new. Um, yes. And was it Wilmington? As far as Wilmington goes, is it? Do we know if it's Wilmington, North Carolina, or Wilmington, Delaware? Because there's North Carolina. Okay. Isn't if it was Delaware, yeah, that would Carolina. have been nice because Delaware recently lost. Um, yeah, from and that will be something we talk about later in yeah. the episode yes. as well. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. But yeah, it's good uh, that New Haven's getting new routes and Avello's having success there. Um, as far as Avello goes, I've I don't know much about them as far as that they're a low cost carrier and they mainly specialize in you know targeting those leisure routes because they have a base out in Burbank I think and from New Haven they've lately initially they were targeting those Florida flights you know for leisure travelers but uh, good for them that's all I can say um, best of luck to them and uh, more success and they're going to Chicago Midway too which is cool I don't think we've ever had a flight from Chicago to uh, New Haven before, so that's really cool. Um, and uh, Red River, what are your thoughts? I'd love to hear about uh, regarding this. 
Yeah, uh, there's a lot of context to go into here, in my opinion. So first and foremost, congratulations to New Haven for seeing 14 routes in six months. That's uh, uh, averaging over more than two months or two routes a month. That's insane, almost three. So that is really, really good. And I don't know if you guys saw the load factors from Tampa Airport spotting on Instagram, but these guys, these routes are doing 75-plus percent on all of them. So for 737-700, you're talking about over 100 people. I think it's like 115 at least, more like 120 to 130 on every single flight flight which is very good so uh, they're really uh they're really catering to this particular market actually i've talked to some of my new york friends um uh as you're gonna you'll know tri-state spotter on instagram he's told me that his some of his ramp buddies at uh westchester have told him that they are now working part-time at new haven because of all the business which is really cool but to go along with that he also told me that a lot of people are driving from new new, new york excuse me to new haven just to have that non-stop option and not to have to deal with all the chaos at the big new york airports that's really a testament to show how much avello is going into content or how awesome of a job avello is doing with the base and they're doing so well so of course they start with all the florida routes they pretty much added almost everyone they can they're still like jacksonville and you know, Pensacola, Destin, I think still add. But then they started expanding up the coast, which I think is great. And then, of course, you have some outliers like Nashville and Midway, which will be really cool. Yes, I don't think that Midway, I think Midway may have had Trenton for Frontier. I could be wrong on that. I'm not sure. Maybe that's a new route. I'm not sure. But nevertheless, it's been a while since Midway's had a nonstop link. So I think that's going to be really nice to see that. And I'm really eager to see what they're going to do. Speaking of which, I don't know if you knew this as well, but they're also going to be expanding the runway to 6,500 feet to accommodate the Boeing 737-800, which is very exciting too. So New Haven's it's busting, man. There is no other way to put it. New Haven is going super well. I think that they're going to continue to do great with it. They may have to expand the airport even more to cater to these needs. And, you know, word of mouth is huge. And I think a lot of people are saying, go to New Haven. It's quick. It's nice. It's fast. It looks good. So, yes, but, of course, Orlando Motor Beach, Fort Lauderdale, West Palm Beach, Fort Myers, Baltimore, Midway, Raleigh, Durham, Tampa, Savannah, Nashville, Charleston, Sarasota, and Wilmington, North Carolina are the routes. And most of those are are uh, only, uh, most uh, several of those are daily, but you have uh, mainly um, outside of that, some of the newer ones are five and four X weekly. And then the lowest one is um, I believe the service to uh, Wilmington, ironically at uh, three uh, weekly, but you also have double daily to Orlando too. So that's very cool. So, Wow, uh, routes go, going really well, and they're continuing to strive. And what what awesome news for New Haven as a whole! It's really nice to see that, and absolutely awesome. That is uh, absolutely incredible. So keep it up, Avello. You're doing great. Really excited to see where you guys are going to go from there, and it's going to be awesome to see New Haven continue to grow. Speaking of continuing the group, uh, Scoot's going to be flying their 236-seater Airbus A321neos to Perth, Australia, which will be very exciting. So uh, that is a nice, simple new route. So, of course, these aircraft have been flying quite a bit around the area. Some flights to India and then also some to China as well. You're going to find some flights to also... Um, some of the uh, various airports as well. I think the Philippines are in there as well. So they've been flying them there, but they're also going to be expanding to their newest, longest route to Perth, which will be very exciting. So it's going to be really nice. The average for these uh, aircraft is about 1,300 miles. So um, I mean, you're going to be eager to see if they continue to use these on longer flights. Maybe they, I don't, I'm not saying they're going to go maybe as far as Tokyo, perhaps, maybe some Hong Kongs and stuff. And you know, maybe even Karachi. I don't know if Scoot could come to Karachi. I'm just throwing stuff out there. I'm not sure AS would know for sure. But, yeah, uh, just throwing some different stuff out there. Again, this is my complete expertise. But this is what this podcast is for, to enhance our knowledge on aviation. And it's very exciting to see Scoot flying uh, their high-density A321neos to uh, Perth. What are you thinking, AS? 
Yeah, Scoot, as far as the airline goes overall, I've not heard particularly good things about them. I mean, they are a low-cost carrier, um, and I think they actually flew to Honolulu at some point. I think they suspended that mm. currently because of the pandemic, but they, they flew to Honolulu, if I'm not wrong. Um, but, yeah, it's good to see their the new 321neo joining their fleet. Um, like you said, it kind of helps with their, um, you know, more regional routes to Southeast Asian countries, you know, within that region, uh, India and... What other, where else we have Vietnam and, and Thailand, Malaysia, Philippines. It, it really helps out. Um, I can't remember what they were using before that, but I'm assuming it was the regular A320. Um, so it's good to have more capacity to some of these markets, like you have Bangkok and you have Phuket and Thailand, which are pretty big leisure markets. And then you also have um, in Vietnam and you have the Philippines, like Cebu, which is another you know touristy destination. Um, Perth was kind of interesting. I'm not too sure what the flight time is from Singapore to Perth. If I had to guess, maybe like five, six hours. Uh, but the 321neo is probably the ideal airplane to do that route. And I, I, get, I don't know if you covered the configuration, but is it going to be in a all-economy class? I don't know. They are a low-cost carrier, so I'm assuming it might be with the 236 seats. Uh, but if whatever the case may be, it's good for Scoot, you know, whatever boosts their numbers. Uh, 236 seats in A321 is a lot, but you know I'm sure they can make it work. Uh, but I don't know. Would I spend six hours on a 321neo, and especially a low cost, uh, low cost one? I don't know about that, but uh, good for Scoot. Good news for them. All right. Uh, so more on the route news. Uh, Breeze Airways, who have been absolutely, rev- you know, not, I, I don't want to say revolutionizing because that's not really true, but um, They've been doing really great with uh, with however long they've been in service. If when did they launch last year? Just not yes, even... it was last uh, May, late last May, May. Okay. into June. Yeah, so they haven't even they, okay. So it's been a year, and already they've been doing really good. Uh, you know, obviously Breeze Airways started on a really solid foundation, being you know headed by the founder of JetBlue and Azul, you know David Nealman. Um, a low-cost carrier, which is which is built off of the expertise that JetBlue and Azul were built off of, it's kind of bound to do great. And you know, Breeze Airways has done exactly that. Um, they've been doing. They've been really successful with all their new routes. They've this year actually. They've with their addition of the of the Airbus A220, they've announced a lot of new routes. And um, just uh, recently, they announced some new routes to Provo, Utah. Um, Provo is near Salt Lake City. It's like a, I don't want to say it's a suburb, but it's a, a pretty much a separate city from Salt Lake City, but it's it's close to it, I think. Um, Provo's airport is, I think it's only been served by Allegiant. I don't know any other airline, to be honest. It's just Allegiant. It's just Allegiant. I'll confirm for you. Okay. Um, yeah, you can keep going. Continue. I will look it up in the meantime. Okay. Uh, so Breeze, the new routes to Provo, um, they're going to be all... Not all, actually, but four of them are going to be West Coast. You know, it's actually in a public airport, believe it or not. <laughs> it's a what? A public airport <laughs> with oh, the Legion at it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just the Legion, though, and now Breeze, so quite interesting. Okay. I'll give them credit on Phoenix Mesa for having 66,000 passengers during the pandemic. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, so Breeze Airways' five new routes from Provo are uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, Los Angeles, San Bernardino, and San Francisco, California. And 
I don't even know how, but they are also going to be launching service to Westchester, uh, White Plains, New York. <laughs> you know, um, that's going to be in, that's going to be the last one to start um, October fifth. Um, but yeah, these five routes they don't all start at the same time. Las Vegas is actually also starting on October fifth, um, but San Bernardino and San Francisco start August fourth. And actually, I'm going to take everything I just said back because Los Angeles is the last one, so it's going to be. San Bernardino oh, yeah. and San Francisco, August fourth. Then LAX, we get uh, sorry, Westchester and Las Vegas on October fifth, and then LAX begins on uh, November second. So um, the new routes are still a ways, still a while to go until they actually start. But um, I'm excited to see what Breeze Airways can do. I'm really eager to see how many people will fly between Westchester and Provo, um, because. That's a really unlikely city pair. I never thought that there would ever be demand to necessitate a nonstop link between uh, those two cities. But it's good for White Plains, for Westchester County. You know, they've never had a nonstop to the West Coast before, if I'm not wrong. Keep in mind, they're also getting San Francisco, LAX, and Las Vegas, too, I believe, exactly. which is incredible. Yeah. Um, I think Allegiant might be flying. I, I think they fly to Las Vegas from Provo, if I'm not sure. Uh, I will confirm the answer to that is, uh, I guess, no, I thought it would be here, but I'm not, oh, it begins August 18th. Current routes for Allegiant include Austin, Houston, Hobby, uh, Orange County, uh, Orlando, Sanford will be beginning, I'm sorry, Phoenix Mesa, Phoenix Sky Harbor, and they have seasonal service to Palm Springs and St. Petersburg with new routes starting, which we'll talk about. Cool, cool. So doesn't seem like they'll have any major competition with Allegiant for now, but, um, you know, Allegiant was, for a while, the only carrier at Provo, so it's good to see Breeze Airways coming into that market and trying to take some of that market share and, you know, you know, expand in that area as well. Um, as far as the aircraft goes, Breeze is going to do A220s to Vegas and Los Angeles, and then the E190 is going to do San Francisco and San Bernardino. And then as I further read the article, it kind of makes sense now. Um, the Westchester flight will be combined with the Las Vegas one, so it's going to be mm. HPN to They're bringing Vegas. that triangle method yeah. in. That is super smart. Yeah. Well so, done. So I guess they're just going to do White Plains to Vegas, Vegas to Provo, and then Provo, Vegas, Vegas to HPN again. So I guess they can capture that track. I, I, so maybe they'll have more people flying between Vegas and... Westchester as opposed to people starting out in Provo going all the way to Westchester or people starting in Westchester going all the way to, to Provo. I guess you'll have more people going between simply Westchester and Vegas, but who knows. Um, but good news for Provo, and you know, especially considering they have a new terminal coming, um, I think the, the airport's got a pretty bright future ahead. So I'd love to hear your thoughts as well, dude, about um, Provo and Breeze Airways. Yeah, absolute understatement. I mean, there is a lot of great stuff going on, as you can see here. So first and foremost, of course, this airport, as we kind of talked about, it's kind of been the Allegiant mini Salt Lake City focus city, if you will, for a while. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute here. Well, I'll kind of integrate it into this, of course. But as you can tell, Allegiant's been here, and they've kind of been doing their thing. But Breeze kind of wanted to take it, come in here. And it's not exactly like the New Haven situation for Avello, but rather, I'm trying to think of a perfect example for this. But Breeze has done this a couple times where they've ran 
ran into an airport and tried to steal some market share. And I think they're going to have an awesome time doing as such here in Provo, Utah. So obviously this is a small city outside of Salt Lake City. So I could definitely see this uh, being very similar to the New Haven situation for uh, New York. Very similar to that. And it's much closer to Salt Lake City. So I could definitely see it happen. So yeah, again, just like AS said, uh, really cool to see Breeze doing the triangle method for this route. Um, I know they have some Breeze through stuff going is what they're trying to promote. And some of those like Tulsa, the Hartford, Connecticut's kind of like one that you're like, mm, do you really want to do that? But I could kind of get behind Las Vegas to Westchester. I feel like that's a little bit better. So, but these new routes, I think are going to be really cool. Senator Burdino, that's a very interesting route and Westchester as well. I mean, you know, there's some of these things that I think really make sense. You know, if Breeze, I think this is the number one key here. If they can promote this really well and word of mouth can get this shared, I feel like these can do really, really well. And they've done that on everything they've done so far, so I don't see why they can't do it again. But the only difference is they've done it in bigger cities. This is going to be the first time Breeze is going to be heading into a small market, and I feel like they're really going to have to get this promoting, and the word of mouth is going to have to carry Breeze into success with these services. Nevertheless, I still feel like there's a really bright future ahead. I think it can go really really well i'm really excited to see where the future lies and that'll kind of take us into our next part of this which allegiance going to be adding new service to go right against them so like i said allegiant has service right now the austin houston hobby orange county uh phoenix mesa phoenix sky harbor and seasonal service to Palm, Bring, Palm Springs, goodness, and uh, St. Petersburg, Clearwater, which some of those are very long flights. But they're going to be adding some even more uh, longer flights to go along with those. Uh, the not-so-longer ones to start with are Las Vegas, which will begin August 18th. Uh, and then Los Angeles will resume on September 2nd, so kind of a new route, I guess, whatever you want to call it there. But then they'll be beginning Orlando-Sanford on December 15th. I'm assuming they're going for a few weekly services for the uh, destination in the warm Orlando area, which I think will be pretty good. Uh, Portland, Oregon, September 2nd. That's a very interesting route, but maybe they can capture some traction there. Along with that, San Diego will also start on August 18th. So the most interesting one to me is definitely going to be the Portland service. I'm eager to see how that's going to perform, but I'm sure maybe they can maybe take some... Uh, I don't think Southwest has that route. They might, but I know Delta, of course, would for sure. So I'm going to be eager to see what happens there. And of course, Alaska too does. So it's going to be very interesting. But these are some very interesting routes for sure. I'm really eager to see what's going to happen. And it's going to be very interesting. So this whole movement at uh, Porvo, um, sorry, Mavistical, hopefully I said the right, airport. It's going to be very interesting. I still can't believe it's not a bigger airport than that. But yeah, New Terminal is going to be great as well. I'm really excited for that too. And it's quite an interesting airport. Maybe it can turn into the new haven of Salt Lake City. You agree with that, A.S.? I think that's a good way to put a good analogy to make, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Did you want to transition into the uh, Flare ORD uh, inaugural? Sure, yeah, we can do that. Cool. Okay, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Alright. Uh, and then mo moving on. Sorry. More on the topic of... Should we do... What's the one at... Which, which one should we do after the flare? Is it going to be the, the one of uh, Goal Airways? Or, cause that's yeah, do you want to do that? that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then yes. we're just going to go down the list, I guess? Yes, if oh, that works for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's perfect. Again, hopefully I'm not. Hopefully it's not too late. If it's too late, we can definitely do a two-part if needed, but we can also cut some of these articles if needed. Just to, I'm flexible. I can go to, I don't think this will take any more than, hopefully no more than 11.30, but we should be good. Okay, yeah, no, I'm fine with anything. So I'll just do the flare and then... Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Cool. All right. Let's do it. All right. Um, 
So we've been talking about low-cost airlines this entire episode, and the next segment, or not segment, but you know, topic that we're going to cover here is no exception. Uh, Flair Airways, like I kind of touched, like we kind of touched on earlier in the episode, they're another Canadian low-cost airline, one of the newer ones. Um, I think they historically they were a charter airline originally. They had 737-400s, and then like 2019, 2018, they did a whole rebrand. They introduced their the livery they have now, the green and the black and the really weird. I don't even know what to call it, but um, they had that whole rebrand going on, transformed yeah. into a an ultra-low-cost carrier. And so Flair, along with Lynx, they've uh, recently emerged in the Canadian market as some you know pretty pretty big domestic um, low-cost carriers. And they're gonna, like I mentioned, they're gonna transform that market as we uh, you know in the future. Um, but Flair has also, unlike Lynx Air, Flair has been expanding outside of Canada. They have already a few, not even a few, they have a lot of U.S. destinations already. Uh, a couple on the West Coast, I think they fly to Phoenix Mesa right now, which is really mm-hmm. cool. Um, they have Nashville, of all places. I, didn't, mm. I don't know why they, they, fly to, they started service to Nashville, but that's really cool. Um, they, yes. they recently began that. Just yesterday, um, well... From the day I'm record- we're recording this, uh, on May 17th, actually, they started service to Chicago O'Hare um, with 737 MAX 8 from Toronto. I can't remember the frequency, but um, I don't think it's daily. It's a few times a week. Um, so they're doing them, the MAX 8. It's uh, it's great. We have more airlines coming to Chicago. Um, not to say that we don't have enough airlines, but we have too many at O'Hare, um, especially <laughs> at, at Terminal 5, because uh, Terminal 5 is the international terminal. And uh, that's the terminal that Flair, Air, Flair Airlines is using. Um, unfortunately, that terminal is, I don't want to say it's congested. It def- definitely You can definitely see the congestion sometimes, um, especially considering you have airlines like Southwest and Sun Country, Frontier, um, you know, domestic airlines that recently, you know, over the past few years, they either began new service like Southwest, um, Southwest and Sun Country, both began new service to O'Hare to Terminal 5. Um, and then you have other airlines like Frontier who moved to Terminal 5 from Terminal 3. Um, and then combined with like the 20, 30 plus international carriers that Chicago gets al- you know, already, that causes a lot of uh, congestion. And Terminal 5 recently did get expanded a little bit, which should alleviate that congestion issues that the terminal has been facing. Um, but putting flair there definitely doesn't help at all. Um, but I, I, don't, I couldn't know any better. Any better. Um, so flair is in Chicago now. I was actually passing through O'Hare, you know, when the inaugural flight was there, so I got to see the plane parked at the gate. Um, unfortunately, the, the departure was delayed. The, the arrival of the inaugural flight arrived O'Hare on time. I think 7.30 in the morning they arrived. They were supposed to push back and depart at 8.30 in the morning because um, they are low-cost, ultra-low-cost airlines. They, have the, they like to do that quick turnaround within 60 minutes to 90 minutes. Um, unfortunately, they never departed at all during the daytime. Um, I remember I was like, when are they going to leave? Because already by the time I got to O'Hare, they were already running an hour late. And um, I just remember seeing the plane just sitting at the gate doing nothing. And um, sure enough, they ended up leaving 15 hours late at 11 p.m. that night. So um, that's a great way to start off you know, your first day of operations in a new market with a 15-hour delay. Um, but Flair... Being an ultra low cost carrier, naturally, they've had a lot of complaints regarding flight delays and just random things. But hey, good to see them in O'Hare. 
uh, in Chicago, uh, more options to go to Toronto. If you ever need to go to Toronto, we have Air Canada already. WestJet left a while ago, but they are coming back later this year to Chicago here. And then you also have Porter Airlines flying out of Midway. So great to see more traffic between O'Hare and Canada. Um, so, yeah. Um, Connor, do you have anything to add yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it is really cool to see Flair expanding rapidly despite their uh, uh, some issues, to say the least. But I think they're doing a really good job and very pleased with their efforts. And I'm really excited to see where Flair's going to go from here. I think they'll definitely increase that service going forward. And I think that it'll be a really, really good one, to say the least. So very, very pleased with their efforts there. I think it's going to be absolutely awesome. And it's going to be great to see the future going forward going into that. Next on deck, a new longest route. How about that? WestJet launches the Boeing 77 flights from Calgary to Rome. That is, that's a long haul, man. That is really far. So WestJet's going to be flying all the way over to Rome from Calgary, which is a super long flight. That began on May 7th, which is really exciting. So, yes, this flight is 5,265 miles, and for any international viewers, 8,472 kilometers. That is a long distance, man. That is crazy. It's going to be 3x weekly from June, and that will go through October, which is very exciting. So, services Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, which is really nice on the way back Thursday, Friday, Sunday. So, really pleased with their efforts. I think it's really, really cool. Flight number is going to be appropriately V uh, WS, excuse me, 1, which is very nice. So, really, really cool to see that. That's very nice got some good advertising also going from the WestJet uh, as a whole too uh, flight goes all the way over Canada then into Greenland and then finally comes all the way down um, okay computer just spazzed out that's that's nice but comes all the way down into Rome so that is absolutely incredible so yes uh, very cool to see that and again this is a very nice addition to their network as of course um, WestJet, uh, you know, for an airline like them, you would think maybe they would have some more international services, and they do have a fair share. But, yeah, this is very exciting. I think this is going to be a really interesting round. I'm really eager to see how it performs. So, A.S., what are you thinking? All right, so the new Rome flight. Uh, wait, is that what it is? Yeah, okay. Yeah, Rome and Calgary. Okay. All right, yeah, and as you said, I think it's a really uh, great route for WestJet to start. Um well, actually, I take it back. I was, I'm kind of confused on why they started Rome from Calgary, but um, WestJet is kind of transforming on the long haul, long haul spectrum. Um, they already have flights from Calgary to London Gatwick and Paris, I think. Is it Paris? I don't know, but they have London Gatwick for sure. Um, so it's good to see them adding more flights, uh, long haul flights, especially from Calgary, which um, has kind of been overlooked. I mean, Calgary's in towards Western Canada. It's not. I don't know. I want to. I don't want to say it's exactly West Coast, but it's more, um, just kind of. It's more of like a central city in Canada. It's not exactly in the center, but it's you know in Alberta, which is next to British Columbia. So they're they're kind of they're closer to the West Coast than they are Toronto. But either way, they're not like a a major city, Calgary. But um, it's good to see WestJet adding more long haul routes to make Calgary a bigger and busier airport and. Uh, WestJet's been really doing really well on their flights, already long haul flights to Heathrow, not Heathrow, Gatwick, and um, their other European routes. I'm not too familiar with WestJet's long haul network, to be honest, aside from uh, from London, uh, but they also do have flights to Hawaii as well to Honolulu. Uh, from they did, I think, Calgary to Honolulu on the 787 at mm-hmm. some point. Um, I mm-hmm. I'm not sure if they still do it. They might have switched it to 737-800 or something like that. Um, but hey, good news for WestJet. As far as like Calgary to Rome, 
just exclusively looking at that market from Calgary to Rome, I don't know if there's enough demand to necessitate just that. So I'm assuming that the Rome service is definitely going to be depending on connecting traffic, especially from Toronto and Canada, the bigger cities. Um, and, you know, Calgary is WestJet's biggest hub. So I can definitely see the Rome flight being more of a, more dependent on connecting passengers coming from the bigger cities. Even in the U.S., you know, you could probably fly WestJet from, you know, LAX or something like that, Las Vegas yeah. to Calgary and then connect um, and go to Rome or Houston, Calgary, Calgary to Rome. Um, if, if you don't want to fly United nonstop, that's, you know, WestJet's another option. So uh, good news for WestJet. And their 787 is beautiful. I mean, it's such a, it looks amazing on the inside. And I've heard great things about WestJet's um, long haul service, despite being, you know, more of a, not really, I, I don't want to say low, low cost, but um, I can't remember if they transition from being low cost to full service or if they're still kind of low cost but either way it's great news for WestJet you know as you know long new routes is always a good thing so um, this is no exception Um, and then more new uh, long-haul route news and you know more news regarding the 787 Um, British Airways is going to finally be returning to Nashville or they already returned to Nashville Uh, let me just quickly refer to the simple flying article um, British Airways, I believe they started Nashville in 2018 or 2019. Yeah, yeah I think it was 18. Okay. Summer 18. Yeah. yeah. So Nashville, along with, you know, other smaller U.S. major cities, you know, you have New, New Orleans, Orleans, Charleston, exactly. almost yeah. Portland. And Pittsburgh, uh, San Jose. Yes. All of them. Mm-hmm. So, um, so they started all those routes in like 2018, 2019, and, uh, like all of them were suspended because of the pandemic, but, um, they finally came back to Nashville, or they will. They will be. They haven't come back to Nashville yet. But um, are, are they? Are they back in Nashville? I thought it was. was. Okay. Um, it resumed on. Uh, okay, I guess May 9th. Yes, it happened on May 9th. It's rising in frequencies. It kind of got the article kind of was a little indecisive, oh, okay. but yes, May 9th it did resume. So that was exciting. Okay, so. That's good. They are back in Nashville. Um, they never, Nashville never had, did they have one? Okay, yeah, they did back when American used to have a hub there. I think they had flights to Paris or something with DC-10s back in the day. But um, ever since American closed that hub, just like a bunch of other Midwestern cities like Memphis and um, St. Louis. That's going to have to be a whole podcast episode yeah, one day. It's such a fascinating topic, just digressing mm-hmm. briefly. Like, you know, you have a bunch of Midwestern cities that, Used that were big hubs, but then lost their hub status because you know airlines decided to move to other places like you know St. Louis. Consolidation. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but back to British Airways at Nashville. I mean, they're using the seven eight seven eight, which is their smallest plane, um, but that makes sense for a smaller market like Nashville. Um, it's you'd be surprised how many uh, you know British tourists visit Nashville or even other cities like Pittsburgh and. Uh, New Orleans. Well, New Orleans makes more sense because it's a it's more of a tourist destination. But um, Nashville, I was surprised that you know it's pretty popular with with tourism, international tourists coming from the UK. Um, you'd expect more people going to the West Coast and you know Florida, for example. But Nashville, um, I never really thought about that. So that's it's really cool to see them back. And uh, Nashville's a I've never been to Nashville before, but I'm sure you can attest to it being a pretty cool place. It looks like a cool place, and I don't know about the airport, but um, happy to see Nashville getting BA back, and I'm not sure about the other cities like Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh is going to be resuming soon with mm-hmm. BA. Um, I think they're yeah. already back in New Orleans, and 
They recently yeah. came back to San Diego back in... I think Charleston's still on hold, but I could be wrong on that. I know they're also back in Baltimore, too. Okay, that's... Okay, cool, cool. So, yeah, it's good. BA's coming back to more of these smaller major cities in the U.S. Um, I think they might have the most destinations to the U.S. of any, you know, long-haul international carrier, which is cool, but British Airways... I think they have to, yeah. Yeah. I think they definitely have to. Um, yes. The... I think I think that was my turn. Sorry. So yes, um, I was in Nashville in July 2019, as you guys may or may not know, and it was a very good trip. Uh, I got to see the British Airways 787-9, which was really cool. Um, one of the uh, most ironic shots of my uh, plane spotting journey so far is it actually had a rainbow in the back, so that was absolutely incredible. But yes, that was very very cool to see. It was right after a storm blew through and the uh, wind shifted, so I had to uh, come up with a makeshift plane spotting location very quick. But anything, see that BA seven eight nine. Really thankful for mom to take me to see that man. That was that was such a good memory. But yes, Nashville is a really cool town. The music city, of course, tons of music, country, and all kinds of stuff. So you're definitely going to be finding music there. But again, yes, it seems like uh, the UK travel market in the US is really big, and I feel like there's a lot of people coming to these smaller US cities, whether it's Charleston, Pittsburgh, Nashville, New Orleans, Portland, wherever it may be. So it's really cool to see that. I'm really excited to see how British Airways will continue to develop their United States market. I still feel like they have plenty of markets that they could potentially serve i think st louis would be a great option uh, kansas city maybe you could also look at markets um just thinking a couple off the top of my head maybe even a cincinnati of the world or i don't know even um uh, I was thinking if there was any others I was, salt lake city yeah of course indianapolis salt lake city yes there's a lot of good options maybe even as far as cleveland i don't know just throwing some out there but there's some really good options so i'll be excited to see what british airways will do coming forward and hopefully we'll have more to report on going forward speaking of more long haul news to report on Qantas is returning uh san diego uh I believe that's in Chile, I believe, right? It's Chile. So really excited to see that. That'll be a three-weekly service in the Boeing 787-9. So this was another one due to the pandemic. This is actually on the Boeing 747-400, which is really cool. So really sad to see it go down on 744. But thank gosh they got it replaced on the 787-9. So, uh, yeah, just another resumption here. But we're really excited to see it. And we'll probably be seeing resumptions. I would think that we're probably going to be seeing them till probably the end of the next year, honestly. Because there's still a lot of routes that were uh, suspended due to the pandemic. And we have seen the majority of them come back, but that's just another one to add to that very long list. So very cool to see this AS. I'm sure you'd have to agree on that. For sure. Um, so Qantas, I forgot they even flew to Santiago at some point, but um, they did. And I think this flight used to go, uh, it was a cool flight because from Santiago to, San, to Sydney, um, I think that flight would go over Antarctica or it would fly really close to Antarctica. So it would fly... Uh, you could, I guess, you could see Antarctica from, from I think whatever side you'd be sitting on uh, when flying right between side, Sydney and Santiago. Yes. Santiago. Yeah, um, so definitely a unique flight. I know, Lan, uh, is that how you pronounce Lan? L A N. Before they merged yeah. with Latam, uh, Lan used to do A340s between Santiago and Sydney, A340 300s um, back in the day. And then they retired them, and I don't think they flew to Sydney after retiring them, unless they did with the 787. I can't remember, but um, it's good. Qantas flying to Santiago that gives South America, I think it's only link between South America as a continent to Australia. I don't think there's any other nonstop link aside from Qantas's flight yeah. um, between Australia and South America, you know, continents as a whole. So um, Chile to Australia nonstop, great news. 
Um, Qantas being a one-world carrier, you'll have a lot of connecting traffic for LATAM. You could probably fly LATAM from somewhere in Brazil, like Sao Paulo, for example, Sao Paulo to uh, Santiago, and then connect to Sydney with Qantas or something like that. Um, or maybe that's actually impossible, but I don't, maybe you could fly Dallas to Sydney on Qantas and then do yeah, Sydney to Santiago, but that'd probably be much more expen- expensive than just flying, you know, Dallas, Miami, Miami, Santiago or whatever. Do they fly Dallas, Santiago nonstop? I don't know. Maybe no, I think, think you can get the you know, Lima, Lima and then maybe connect on. That would probably oh, be my maybe. thought, but yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But yes, Santiago back for Qantas. That's, that's awesome. And is it 7879? I mean, that's, we yes. saw that coming. Whenever the 747 retired, 789. Maybe 350 in the future, but for now, oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yes. Um, and then I don't, know, I don't know how long the flight is. I didn't really look into that. Oh, oh 13 and a half. 13 and a half. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's a, that's a pretty modest amount of flight yeah. time there. But pretty cool. I mean, it's really fascinating, too, when you look at the time difference between Australia and Santiago. Australia's, I don't even know, because Chile might be... Central U.S. time, I think they either mm-hmm. that or Mountain time. Mountain, but, yeah, I think it's central. So yeah, I'm not too sure how far ahead Australia is from from us, but I have I have to say maybe 15, 16 hours. I don't know. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. The time difference is really something something else to to look at. But um, moving over to to Mexico, um, moving up there, Viva Aerobus, which is a ultra low cost carrier in Mexico. Um, they are going to be launching five new routes from Mexico City's new airport. Uh, I can't remember what the name of the new airport is, but I, as far as I, all I've heard is that it's um, it's quite a controversial new airport um, because Mexico City, the current airport, the current international airport, the Benito Juarez Airport, um, it's kind of a dumpster fire. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, people have said it's it's just getting way too congested, and then that I guess necessitated the construction of the new airport in Mexico City. Or the first new airport, and then that construction of that airport, I guess they threw it out with the, the 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 government that was in charge. I guess they completely scrapped the plans of that new airport, and then they built a completely separate new airport, which is the one that we're talking about right now. The uh, what is it called? The Felipe Angel, Angeles International Airport. Yes. NLU yes, is that's, the, that's the yep. airport yep. code. That's okay, correct. And, and this airport, when I looked at the pictures of it, apparently they have a terminal. But it's way smaller than what the original new airport was planning, and second, you know, furthermore, they don't even have the jet bridges aren't even being used. I think I saw pictures of like Volaris airplanes. They were using air stairs. They're parked right by the terminal. They're using air stairs to board people. So that's a that's a big meme in and of itself. But um, the Viva Airbus is there, and they're going to be launching flights to domestic cities. Um, four of them, at least, actually. Um, Four of the new routes are domestic, and I think one is international. So they have, um, inter- domestically speaking, you have Acapulco, you have Cancun, of course, the main, huge tourist destination. And, you know, I'm assuming domestically it's also very popular. Um, you have Oaxaca, and then you have Puerto Escondido, all leisure cities, like the article says. And then they're also doing a new route to Havana, Cuba, which is cool. Um, I'm assuming there's a lot of traffic, uh, you know, travelers between cuba and mexico so that's that's awesome um and the article also says that the new flight to cuba is going to be the first international service by a mexican airline from the new airport um and i think the only one they have right now only international flight they have is the conviasa from caracas venezuela um but 
Cool. I mean, the New Mexico City Airport, whatever it's called, I can't, I can't remember the name, Felipe Angeles International, um, has it had a great start. I'm, I don't know what the international airlines are thinking, like all the U.S. carriers and the European airlines. I don't know if they're planning to move there or just stick at the current um, Mexico City International. I think a hybrid is kind of what it sounded like. I mean, I just cannot imagine Aeromexico making their whole operation going into 2030 and stuff with that whole airport, but who knows? Yeah, I agree. And then if you wanted to give your thoughts um, about Vive Robles. Of course, yes. I think it's really, really cool to see that. Again, another low-cost carrier doing their work. Um, yeah, the new airport's very interesting. And I'm glad that they're building it, but maybe some resources due to the pandemic were a little limited. So maybe that's why, for whatever reason, they can't do whatever they're doing. So hopefully they'll continue to progress. I think Vita Aerobus is a cool airline. Got some models from them too, which is nice. So very cool airline. I think the new routes will also be great. Thank you for pronouncing those. I would have botched those bad. So thanks for doing that. Um, and I'm going to be excited to see what's to come for Vita Aerobus at the new airport and all the carriers volaris um aeromexico all of our airlines so i think it's going to be really good and i'm very excited to see what's to come here for uh the new airport and vita aerobus going forward what's very unfortunate though is frontiers withdrawal from delaware will be the last revenue passenger service and that will leave uh, leave delaware with no passenger service which is insane it is the only state in the United States now to have no scheduled service, as the service from Newcastle, Delaware to Orlando was a two-weekly service that returned in February of 2021, but unfortunately is now bit the dust. It's really unfortunate to see that one state in the United States does not have service. As you guys may not know, hopefully you guys are fairly familiar with geography, but Delaware is close to a lot of big places. I think Philadelphia is the closest, but I think you also got resources in the area as well, so people just drive up and down as needed. But yeah, uh, Newcastle had this one flight kind of hanging on by a thread. It's really unfortunate as well because I believe the Newcastle airport also uh, put some significant funding into innovating the airport in order to keep or not in order, but just to help the passengers at the airport. But it's really sad to see this. Hopefully it'll uh, improve going forward, and um, maybe we'll get a new carrier, whether it's Breeze, Avello, or whoever it may be, I guess. So would you have to agree with that? For sure. Uh, it is really sad to see that Delaware doesn't have any scheduled passenger service anymore. Um, I actually used to live in Delaware from mm. like the 2000, 2000, late 2004, 2005, when I moved wow. from Hawaii over to Delaware, and then... Uh, I, I was really, really short time in Delaware that I moved from Delaware after like six months to, to Illinois where I am now for the past, I don't even know, 16 years now. Wow. Um, but yeah, it is really sad that Newcastle lost um, their service on Frontier. I can't remember if American ever served that airport. I feel like Philadelphia is way too close Stand to have by. American Stand ever by. serve it. Um, hopefully they're back soon. Hopefully Avello can swoop in and, you know help out because i feel like i feel by the way guys sorry to interrupt i was going to say this is also wilmington delaware airport but they just named it newcastle article so i apologize about that yeah yeah there we go my bad for not clarifying that but you're good um yeah hopefully you know they can get some more low-cost traffic in there avello or breeze i mean it's it's going to be one of those two next airlines to start service to to newcastle airport in delaware um i really hope one of them do because uh, Frontier is probably not going to come back, and I don't think anybody else, like Spirit or Southwest, you know, I don't think they'll ever consider Newcastle. So hopefully they can make something work because it's it, it's kind of weird. You know, it, I don't want to say weird, but it's kind of sad to have a whole state that doesn't have um, 
air service, scheduled air service, and especially one like Delaware, where that's in such a heavily populated area on the East Coast. Um, I feel like they should at least have a few flights a week, whether it be low cost or whatever. So hopefully something can work out for them. Uh, but good news, some more East, East Coast news, um, but moving down to North Carolina, um, Iceland Air launched service recently from Reykjavik to Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. And I'm sorry, Citrus, I know Citrus would have loved to do this topic because it is involving yes, Raleigh. Yes. But right, um, Yeah, please forgive me about that. Um, but Iceland Air recently, last week or the week before, they launched new service to Raleigh um, on the 737 MAX. And I don't think they ever had... I don't think Icelander ever flew to Raleigh previously. No. I think might, maybe Wower might have. I don't know. Wild did. Wild did, I'm pretty they sure. Okay. I, I think it was Baltimore. I thought they did a rally. Maybe not. But I, this okay. is Icelander's first, first rodeo for sure. Yeah. Either way, I mean, Raleigh, it's good to see them getting more international service. I mean, they, they had American Airlines to London. I don't know if they still do. And then they had Delta, Delta Airlines to Paris. Um, and then that was really it regarding Europe. And then Icelander... This is a whole new airline for them. Uh, Iceland Air and back when Wow Air existed, you know, they've been trying to capture a lot of, you know, tourism traffic from the U.S. and, you know, promoting stopovers in Iceland. So I I, I think this route's going to do well. It's four times a week between Reykjavik and Raleigh. Um, If people need to get from... Iceland is a... Let me just briefly add, they're a good option to go to Europe if you just want to go to, like, let's say Amsterdam or Paris or something, you can fly from Raleigh to Reykjavik first, then connect in Reykjavik to a flight to Copenhagen or Amsterdam or something like that. So um, I think this route's going to do well, uh, especially considering I don't think the Delta flight to Paris resumed yet, or American to London. I could be wrong about that. But um, if they didn't, then you know you have Iceland there if you want to go to London or something. You don't have that nonstop op- option anymore, so you can always uh, rely on Iceland there. Um, so yeah. What do you think about it, Red River? Yeah, of course. Uh, to clarify, I think London's supposed to be back sometime this summer. I think Paris is indefinitely suspended, but Citrus will definitely call me out if I'm wrong on that. So I better back off before I get too far down the roots on that. Uh, anyways, very cool. Again, on the 737 MAX, I think it's a perfect fit for the flight. I think the 737 MAX for Iceland Air is probably somewhere in that ballpark right there at 175, maybe closer to 200. So that's really, really exciting. I think they're going to do great with it. I'm really excited to see the progression that they'll have going forward forward on that and i think it's going to be absolutely awesome to see uh how they'll fare going into that it's going to be really really cool to see it i think rally's a really cool airport and it's one of those cities that's kind of teeter-tottering with uh more international flights so it's really cool to see them developing and i think them and many other other really cool east coast cities in the u.s will continue to grind going forward as well we do have a couple of small things here. These aren't actual articles, but I have some additional pictures of some new announcements. So I'll run through these and then give, a, give AS the floor before we transition into fleet news. Excuse me. Uh, again, a little bit longer of an episode today, but I hope you guys are enjoying it. We love giving you guys context. And again, thank you so much, AS Aviation, for being here. We really appreciate it. Loving these late summer nights. Gotta love it. First and foremost, JSX is giving Colorado some new service. They're going to be having new service. Okay, I, this is going to be kind of hard to see from the glance, so let me see. There we go. Okay, so Denver Boulder will be beginning on August 4th uh, from Dallas Love Field, along with new service to uh, Burbank as well. They'll also be beginning new service to uh, Gunnison, Creta's, um, 
airport which will be on june 30th so really cool new airports in the uh, colorado region i think those will be great i'm really excited to see how they're going to continue to uh, develop those markets and again first time for colorado for jsx so really cool uh, airline with premium service i think they're going to do really good in those markets and i think that'll be great to cater to those needs during the summer season Unfortunately, during the summer season, JetBlue is going to be suspending some additional flights uh, along with what they already have. There's a various, uh, so many various routes, but you're going to find a lot of East Coast stuff from uh, Orlando, Fort Lauderdale, Tampa, proceeding into airports in North Philadelphia, Rochester, um, uh, Windsor Locks, Boston, and then Nashville, I think, lost throughout the Fort Lauderdale, Phoenix, Los Angeles, Cancun, uh, San Diego. So there's some various routes there as well to go along with some of the routes that they already cut through Florida in the New York areas as well. And last but certainly not least, you're going to be finding a new service to finish off our route news here. Uh, with service for Avianca from Washington to Costa Rica, which will be very exciting. I'm really excited to see how that's going to go. I think that'll be a great route. United is seasonal on that service, so hopefully they'll be uh, going very well on that. And I'm going to be excited to see how Avianca will do at Washington Dulles. So really excited to see that. And AS, any thoughts on those three announcements as well? Yeah, great news, as you said, for JSX going to Colorado. Um, it's kind of interesting that they're starting it from Dallas Love Field. Um, but it's really cool to see him going to to Boulder. I think it'll do really well, um, and it's, it's a great alternative if you don't want to fly United or American. You can always fly into into Denver Boulder Airport, and arguably on a much smoother experience. You know, JSX is more of a private jet airline than it is a, a your traditional commercial airline like United or American are. Um, pretty unfortunate for JetBlue, you know, cutting some. So cutting some routes, I mean, that's been getting more common, sadly. We saw it with American a lot last year, Delta as well, especially Delta's been doing that a lot more often. Um, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do to get that money. Um, and if your route's not doing well, if it's not it's reducing go. Uh, the go. amount of go. revenue go. that you don't want, yeah, it's got to go. Uh, and then finally with Avianca, that's great news that they're doing Costa Rica. I'm assuming it's going to be operated by their Avianca. Costa Rica. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool, cool. So, what is that? The Dallas to San Jose, and that's going to be with United. So five hours, yeah. Five Somewhere hours. There. Five hours. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's that's cool. Costa Rica is a popular summer destination, spring destination. Um, so I'm assuming a lot of people are going to do these, do the new flight, uh, book it. Um, it is competing with United, so we'll see how Avianca fares when they're compared to United. Um, but I'm, I'm sure they already compete with United in a, a lot of markets, like Columbia, probably from Houston. Um, they compete with United there. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they'll do yes. fine. Um, yes. And there we go. I think that does it for Root News. Uh, Red River, if you want to take the floor now, I'll leave it to you. Yeah. All right, so um, that does it for Root News. Finally, that was a really, really long segment. But um, like uh, Red River said, I hope you all have been enjoying listening to the episode lately. Um, next, we're going to move into... Fleet news, and there's a lot of cool stuff to go over with regards to special liveries and retirements and new planes, whatever. Um, the first uh, first uh, topic we're going to cover here today. Sorry, it's like 11 p.m. I'm tired, but I'm trying to. I'm doing my best. Um, the first. Thank you. No problem. The first uh, first uh, topic that we have here is Emirates again uh, revealed a, another special livery on an A380. I think at this point Emirates is just playing with us. They have all these A380s sitting around, and they're just like, you know what? We have the money. We'll throw it an extra <laughs> few million dollars and repaint 
they say 380 into a random delivery that nobody saw coming. So um, this one's really cool. I will admit this one's pretty cool. Um, in Dubai, there's a new museum. It's called Museum of the Future. And if you look at it, if you've ever seen a picture of a Museum of the Future, it really looks like a futuristic museum. It's like a giant circle. It's like a donut, pretty much. Um, that's what the article compares it to. But it's a really cool, futuristic-looking building. And uh, Emirates, like all these like Middle Eastern airlines, Qatar Airways, Emirates, Etihad, they love to promote their home. Like Qatar Airways is, they love to promote tourism to Qatar. And Emirates and Etihad, they love to promote their respective uh, hub cities, Abu Dhabi and Dubai, obviously, or Dubai and Abu Dhabi. Um, they love promoting it. And this livery is a perfect example. Um, Emirates hopes that this new livery is going to, you know, generate some interest and publicity as they fly this aircraft all over the world i think it might have already it already flew to jfk mm-hmm. so that's one thing it's going to fly jfk european cities asia everywhere um so it's cool i think gemini just is all we're talking about models like gemini just, i'm pretty sure no. they already released it <laughs> it's like the 50th oh, emirates model they released this year but um yeah it's a cool livery i will say that um do you have anything to add? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely probably one of the better ones they've done. A lot of these I could care less for, but this one I think has some legitimate purpose. Not to say that they don't have purpose, but that one I really like. So very glad with that. And it kind of goes with their like trio of wildlife liveries that are pretty cool. So love to see that. And Emirates continuing. I mean, if that whole fleet of A380s does not have all specials by like the end of this year, I don't know what will. Another, another uh, airline that continues to... Con- uh, add all kinds of special liveries in this connotation is Japan Skymarks Airlines launching another Pokemon jet. So I don't know if you guys know much about this sector, but Skymarks Airlines is a low-cost carrier in Japan, and man, they love, and I mean they love their Pokemon, as you guys may be able to see. They've had so many Pokemon liveries. I'll be honest, I don't know too much about it, but I thought it'd be cool to cover it. So this is going to be another Pokemon aircraft. I guess it's just a second for Skymarks, but I guess I'm just getting this bad saturation because like China Airlines and all these different airlines have all these tv show liveries and i don't want to say they're all the same to me but man there's so many of them so i guess these are going to feature the critters hopefully i get this right larward uh i i'm not even going to try the rest of these skyman's another one my grip and uh pikachu i think that's like, something like that but nevertheless it looks like a decent livery they got some good faces on there so it's definitely an interesting looking livery it's going to be the inaugural flight on may 30th and again they continue to add more of these pokemon liveries and it's pretty cool because obviously uh there's been a lot of history with these with ana and various airlines as well so very cool to see that and i'm sure as is kind of he may have a similar set of mind in terms of uh these all these uh Asia carriers with all these TV show and, you know, anime and all that special liveries. Yeah. Yeah, me personally, I'm not, I was never really big on Pokemon, so I have no idea what the character is or whatever. Same. I know Pikachu, that's like the only one that I know, Pikachu. Yeah. The, 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 yeah. the, yellow, the yellow plane, the first special livery they did. Um, the, the new one that they're doing, the BC2 special livery, uh, obviously it's a lot more dull than the, the Pikachu one. It's all yellow and stuff, but the new one's cool. I mean, it's Pokemon. It's it's got a lot of colors, and what else can I say about it? So, um, yeah, I mean, it looks looks cool, and definitely something to look forward to for um, people spotting in Japan and stuff. But like I said, there's a lot of those like TV liveries. I know ANA 
or was it ANA? I think that I think it was ANA. They they had their own. ANA uh, has China Airlines, all all those guys, man. China yeah, Eastern. ANA I mean, every single one of them, whether it's the full plane or just like half of it or just that little teasy sticker or whatever it is, it's on there. They have to have it. So yeah. Yeah, so that's all I think we can add regarding the, the Skymark uh, Pokemon special delivery. It's cool, but I, I personally have nothing else to say about it. Uh, so yeah. the next one, the next uh, news topic that we have is Icelandair. Um, Icelandair has a, I don't want to say sizable, because to be honest, their cargo division is pretty small. I think they have like one 757 freighter, and that's really it, but... Um, good news, though, they are going to be taking a 767 into their cargo fleet, a former uh, 2E 767-300, um, which has recently been converted from passenger to freighter. So they'll be taking delivery of that. And then I think they will... I can't remember when they will take it, but it's uh, it's going to be coming later this year, according to Simple Flying's article. So they... October, yes. Okay. So yeah, the article according to Simple Flying, it says autumn of this year. So I'm assuming, like you said, October or September, whatever. Um, and they'll register it as TF-ISH. So it'll maintain that same registration uh, pattern as their 767s because they have TF. They, I think they have three or four passenger 767s. So they have TF-ISN, ISO, and ISP. I can't remember the, the fourth one, if there even is a fourth one, but um, it'll maintain that same TF-IS registration pattern, um, and then they'll get their second cargo aircraft. It's really cool. Um, Icelander has a really awesome livery. I don't, actually, I don't know if they'll repaint it in the new livery or um, the current Icelander cargo livery. That I'm not too sure about, but either way, it's good to see them getting a new plane, and I'm sure old livery, new livery, it's going to look great because Icelander has a really awesome livery. Especially the old one, I would prefer it be the old livery, but um, that's one question that we don't know the answer to yet. Um, so what do you have uh, opinions regarding the Icelander Cargo 76? Yeah, I think it's really cool. I'm really excited to see them developing even more aircraft in that ballpark. I'm really excited to see what's going to happen going forward, uh, adding additional cargo aircraft to their fleet. I think it's really, really nice to see. And I'm really, really excited to see where Icelandair will take it. I think they have a great future going forward. And I'm really pleased to see their efforts and all their contributions to the cargo market as it's making a lot of money. And I think they're going to continue to do a great job with that. Speaking of a great job, how about the new Star Wars livery on the Alaska Airlines Boeing 737-800 registered November 538 Alpha Sierra? This thing is really cool. So, of course, uh, this came back from another Disney. Uh, this is another Disney deal, of course, as Star Wars is owned by Disney at this point. And, of course, this has the um, Lucasfilms and Yellowstone, uh, the uh, emblem on that. Or not emblem, sorry. But that's kind of where it came down to from. But, of course, you got the Falcons on there, which is really, really cool. So, I, I think they did a really good job on it. I think it looks absolutely awesome. I'm not a huge Star Wars fan fan but i know enough of the basics with the falcons and everything to be able to tell what it is and i mean it looks really really cool i know i had some lego sets when i was a kid that had all the star wars stuff and everything so that's really cool so it's really really cool seeing another one uh this time with alaska of course we had the united star wars livery which was the really big one but i think this one's very notable as well and then a and a and all these guys have had special star wars stuff as well with r2d2 and all that fun stuff so this is a really really cool one i think they did a great job you don't see an all black plane every day in terms of livery so really really cool to see that and i think they did a really good job with it so i think it's a very nice livery and i'm really really glad to see alaska continuing getting on the star wars market what do you have to say about that as yeah so it's uh, a really cool livery as you said alaska's been 
rolling out a lot of cool special deliveries lately. My favorite one is probably the the Orca one. The, the oh, yeah, delivery. that one's very good. That yes. one's beautiful, yeah. This one is cool. Um, I'm also not too big on Star Wars. Again, I'm sure Citrus Aviation would have loved to do this because he, he knows a bit about Star Wars, but none of us do. Yes. Um, neither of us Just do. Just a little bit. Um, just a little bit, but yeah, I like the Millennium Falcon on the tail near the near the back there. That's pretty cool. Um, it's almost like they were planning this from the start when United repainted their Star Wars livery. They just immediately went and unveiled this one. Um, I think what is kind of cool is that this was the last plane to be repainted. Uh, I think this was the last one in the old livery in Alaska's fleet, and then they repainted it into this. Um, so I'm not sure how long this uh, livery is going to last because uh, I think it's promoting a new exhibit, new not exhibit, new. Uh, attraction or ride at Disneyland that's yeah. the delivery kind of hints at so not sure if it's a temporary thing or if it'll stick around for maybe a year or two and then they'll repaint it to the new livery finally but yeah cool livery it's a like almost an exact replacement for the United one although the United one was obviously in my opinion a lot more a lot more interesting and cool but you know everybody has their opinion um so moving off from that moving on to FedEx uh they took delivery of their first Cessna Sky Courier um, that's how I pronounce it. Uh, it's a new airplane developed by Cessna. Yes. It's basically, well, this is the Sky Courier, as the name implies. I guess it's made to serve the freighter market. Um, but it does also have a passenger version with up to 19 passenger capacity. Um, so I'm assuming this Sky Courier, uh, I also have not looked into this because, you know, FedEx is not really an airline that I know uh, much about aside from their fleet. I don't really know what they're going to use these for, but. Um, I can only assume that they will use these small turboprop planes to serve the you know smaller communities, um, especially ones with uh, shorter runways. Uh, I can definitely think of a few cities here in Illinois that would be, um, you know, that would love to have FedEx service with these smaller planes. Um, there's a lot of cities in the United States that get like shorts 360 service from air cargo carriers here in the Midwest. That's what we have. Um, we have uh, some small airports near me that actually get air cargo. I think these will also help phase out the uh, Cessna caravans a little bit too. I think that too. Okay, that's 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 a good point there. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, like you said, the Cessna caravans those are pretty you know older airplanes. Um, So these will definitely be a good replacement option for those. Um, But yeah, it's a really interesting looking plane. I've not seen anything like uh, like the Sky Courier before. It reminds me a lot of the Technum P twenty twelve that Cape Air has or. Is that what it's called, Cape Bear? Yeah, um, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it looks a lot like that. That's really the only thing I can say. But really cool FedEx. Congratulations. And uh, I think they have 50 of these on the way um, in their yes, fleet. Yes. Um, so, yeah, Red River, what do you have? Uh, this is really, this is very, very cool. I think this is a really cool, innovative project. I'm sure it's a really efficient aircraft. Cessna, I always think, does a good job. And I think this will be great to add not only expansion, but also replacement and revision into their fleet. I think this is a really, really cool addition. And I think it's a very good looking aircraft. I'm sure it's going to be very efficient. And ultimately, I think they're going to do a good job. So, really excited to see these start to come in along with like primary ATRs and all that fun stuff. So, great to see. And I'm excited to see where FedEx will take it from there. Next up, ITA Airways takes to 
delivery is its first Airbus A350 as it's the 40th operator, which is really cool. So this aircraft flew in from Ireland, which is really nice. And it's really exciting to see ITA get the A350. I'm sure just they're going to use this aircraft in a variety, these aircraft, excuse me, in a variety of ways. I think it'll be really nice to see that. Of course, ITA is still a part of Sky Team, which is really cool, founded in 2020, of course. Full service air carrier, and I think they're going to do a very good job going forward. So, of course, these are supposed to go into service in uh, June of 2022 with service out to Los Angeles, Brunernos, and Sao Paulo. So a little bit of the North and South Americas for you right there. And apparently they're going to have two classes on board as well, which is going to be very exciting. So I'm excited to see how it's going to work in the network. And I think they're going to do a good job with it. AS, would you have to agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it would have been cooler if, you know, unfortunately Alitalia is gone now, but if Alitalia were to stick around, um, it would have been really cool to see a 350 in the Alitalia new livery. It would have looked really nice with the green and, you know, red combination. Um, but ITA's livery is a lot... Uh, I don't want to say it's... I prefer Alitalia, to be honest, over ITA's livery. But um, the blue, it, it looks it looks beautiful, though. It's a it's a really interesting all-blue A350. I can't think of any others. Uh, I mean, we have Air Tahiti. Breeze, livery, I, guess. Says, I guess. Yeah, yeah. 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 You have, you have Air Tahiti, which has like an all-blue 787, but I can't think of any similar um, A350 liveries. But it's a really beautiful-looking plane. Um, their A330s look great, too. The ones that they had from inherited from Alitalia when they rebranded as ITA. Um, those look cool. And, you know, like you said, you have LAX and Sao Paulo, and what, what was the third one? I can't even remember. Was it Santiago? Or uh, Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo, Paulo yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you have those three cities, but I'm assuming this plane will eventually make its way to JFK or something at some point. Um, so, yeah. And then that's all I have regarding ITA. Uh, next up, you have Cargo Jet, um, Boeing 777-300ERs. It's uh, the Boeing, the, that aircraft as a whole, the 777-300ER. Um, it's not nearing the end of, there's, there's a few older uh, air, airframes that were rolled off the production line like 2004, 2005. Um, as those aircraft are starting to get retired from airlines like Emirates, for example, um, you know, they have manufacturers or airlines they have looked into the feasibility of converting the 777 300ER into a cargo aircraft, uh, a cargo version. And that's exactly what a bunch of airlines have looked into. Cargo Jet is going to be taking four of these. Um, they, yeah, four of them, I think, right? Four yes, 777 300ERs. Yes, yes. uh, so they're currently in the process of receiving those planes. Um, the 777 300ERs are getting converted right now, um, and they'll eventually enter service with Cargo Jet. I know Kalita Air, at one a while ago, they announced mm-hmm. that they wanted to get a few of the converted 777 300ERs. Really interesting. Um, it's going to be weird seeing a 777 300ER as a freighter, um, but... As long as it you know extends the life of the of the air, of the aircraft, I mean that's uh, really great news. And the triple seven three hundred ER, I mean the triple seven freighter right now as it is, um, the one that's the current triple seven freighter model that's based off of the the two hundred LR. It's already been a really really successful um, airplane. And then the triple seven eight X freighter, which is pretty much going to replace the the current triple seven freighter, that's also been racking in those orders. Um, and the triple seven three hundred ERSF or the big twin freighter, whatever it's called. I'm sure this is going to do dividends for Cargo Jet and Kalita Air, whoever decides to, you know, pursue this, go this route of converting their triple threes to cargo. It's going to be great. Um, that's all. I, that's all I have to say regarding that. 
Yes, of course. I'm really excited to see how they're going to do with these aircraft. Again, I think it will be a universal asset. And again, very unique situation for them. And I think it's going to be very, very exciting to see as such. I would do the next article, but I think it's only appropriate for AS Aviation to do this next article on the United Airlines resuming the service finally on the PW4000 Boeing 777 flights this upcoming month. Right. So for those that don't know, um, last year, February 2021, one of United's uh, 777s, um, powered by the Pratt Whitney 4000 engine, it experienced the engine failure, pretty catastrophic. I don't want to say catastrophic, but it, it experienced a significant engine failure when climbing out of Denver. Um, that plane was going to Honolulu, and uh, basically the engine caught fire. And had a, I don't want to go too in-depth on it because that will waste a lot of time. But um, following that incident... He has some great videos. Great Check them out. Thanks. You're Thank welcome. you. Um, but following that incident, they grounded uh, their entire fleet of 777s powered by those engines, the Pratt Whitney 4000 series engine. Um, they had about they have fifty something fifty two triple seven two hundreds both ER and non ER that have those engines. Uh, these triple sevens are all Legacy United, so United took to, these are ones that United um, received directly from Boeing. Um, so those the, all fifty of those planes, fifty two, however many of those are, um, they've all been grounded for I don't even know the past year or so. I don't even know if it's 50. It might be up to 70 or something. I can't remember how yeah. many exactly yeah. they have, but they have a lot. Um, but they've grounded all of them. They've been grounded since February 2021. Uh, luckily, Boeing has... Boeing, Pratt, Whitney, the FAA, they've come together. They've, you know, worked on the engines. They've improved the, you know, improved them, made sure that, you know, similar incidents don't happen again because uh, back in, I think, 2018, there was, a like, almost a, a similar incident regarding involving another United 777 with those engines and it had a similar engine failure issue is really, really catastrophic. Um, so they've improved the engines, made them much more, uh, I guess safe. I, I don't even, I don't want to say safe cause that gives it a more of a negative connotation, but, uh, they made them more disaster proof, I guess you could say. So it's a similar incidents don't happen again in the future. Um, and it's great news. United is, looking to resume or return all of those grounded 777s to service soon. Um, I read an article recently. They are looking to get the first plane back in service by May 26, which is a week from tomorrow. Um, so they want to get that first plane back in the skies by May 26, and then they'll just gradually roll out the rest of the fleet through the summer, July. Hopefully by the July you'll see all of those grounded 777s back in service. And it's good news for United because um, many of those grounded 777s were domestic configured. So United would have would use those for flights to Hawaii, for example, and also domestic flights like uh, from you know between major hubs like Chicago to San Francisco and Houston to Denver, for example. Um, they had what 360 something yeah. seats. So yeah. they are big, big capacity holders and. Um, Ever since those were grounded, United's been missing out on a lot of capacity. So it's good news. They really need those planes back um, so they can get their numbers up. And to fill in for that void, for that huge void with the, with these planes being grounded, they've had to either cancel certain routes or take planes that would normally operate international flights and put them on you know domestic flights, so like the 777s, uh, 777 that they have with GE90 engines that they got from Continental as a result of the merger. Um those planes, along with the 787s, they've been operating 
flights to Hawaii and domestic flights, routes that they normally don't don't operate. But because the the domestic triple sevens aren't there, um, that's the move United had to make. So bottom line, it's good news that they're finally coming back to service. Um, it'll help United a lot, and uh, it's about time. So that's all, that's all I got to say regarding that. Can't agree more, and I'm really excited to see those aircraft finally make it back. They're a huge part of the United Airlines fleet, especially domestically, and I'm really excited to see United finally get that capacity back and really enhance their uh, their uh, network back to once to what it once was, despite uh, not the pandemic affecting it, but more so a unfortunate fatigue issue on the Boeing 777 Platinum Whitney versions. Really cool for JSX to see a new Top Gun Maverick delivery. This is really, really cool to see. So I I don't know if it's more significant that the livery is really cool or if that JSX has special liveries. Of course, JSX being a full service, not necessarily a corporate airline, but a very unique service airline to have a special livery is quite interesting. I'm not sure what kind of what went on behind the scenes to make this happen, but I thought this was just really, really cool to see. It's a very cool dark navy livery that looks really, really nice with some red stripes across it as well. The tails are really cool design as well. Of course, promoting Top Gun. So, really cool to see that. It's November 259 Julia X-Ray, and I think it's really cool. AS, would you have to agree with that? So yeah, that Top Gun livery is very, very cool. And to finish this off for Fleet News, the Breeze Airways Airbus A220 has been having certification issues, unfortunately. So I don't know if you guys have heard, but Breeze Airways has been having issues with it. I really don't know a bunch about the details, unfortunately. So that's very unfortunate. But what I do know is they've had to take the aircraft off of some of the routes that it was initially supposed to be on. I know that the Tulsa examples are obviously there, but I think they've had some northeast to southeast routes and all kinds of various ones out of Tampa and uh, Charleston, some of their other bases too. So hopefully... Hopefully they'll be able to proceed and get that back going. And yeah, it's very unfortunate to say the least. And hopefully it'll be going well uh, to get that aircraft finally in the skies. Because as we talked about previously, a lot of these routes are definitely going to need it. So AS, would you have to agree with that? Definitely. I think it was really unfortunate that they that the certification issues led to um, Breeze canceling the H-20 inaugural. Um, I think I forgot what the route was. It might have been like OKC to Tampa or something. But Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that that was unfortunate, but I mean, that's 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 how it is, I guess. That's just the how the industry works, and especially with the pandemic these days, you don't know what could happen. Uh, and so, yeah, that's really. I don't know. I don't have much background knowledge regarding the eight to twenty issues, um, especially with Breeze. But uh, that, that's it regarding that, and I guess that takes us into airline news, correct? You are exactly right, and I will start us off just to keep the flow going nicely. So the first thing is this probably should have went with route news too, so I'm sorry, but Emirates is resuming service to Bali with the triple uh, seven after a two year absence. So once again, another big absence due to the pandemic. Was really excited to see them coming in at long last. So this will be on Emirates flight three nine eight, which is very exciting. Uh, it's going to be really nice. So I'm excited to see the new route finally come back. Uh, really, really good. Of course, it's been quite some time. So uh, I don't know too much about this route. AS will probably know a little bit more than I will. But it's very exciting to see it. And I think it's going to be really nice to see this new route. Fi- or excuse me, not new route, but the route finally resume after a long extended absence. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, Bali's a really big, you know, I guess you could say tourist destination in Southeast Asia, just like Phuket in Thailand. Um, Bali, Indonesia is a really big spot for tourism and stuff like that. So um, it's good to see Emirates going back with the the 777-300ER. I have the model right here. Um, So I thought it would be perfect to bust it out there. Um, 
so yeah, the new service has already started to Bali, and that that's great. Um, and I assume it'll remain on the triple seven as it always has been. Um, so great news. Summer travel is, especially for this summer, is going to be insane. I mean, we're seeing it in the U.S. A lot of uh, demand and stuff. Uh, ticket prices are going up, unfortunately, but um, the industry is returning, and that's great. And uh, it's good to see that the rest of the world seems to be opening up as well, especially Southeast Asia, Indonesia, you know, that region, Singapore, Malaysia, um, areas that were pretty rough, pretty badly hit by the pandemic. Um, it's good to see them also kind of recovering. Unfortunately, Hong Kong up there in, in, the, in the Far East is one of those, yeah, one of the, Hong Kong and Japan actually both are still kind of dealing with the struggles with the pandemic. So hopefully they can pull out some, you know, you know, get out of that um, the struggles that they're facing soon. Um, but it's good that most of the world is coming back. And we saw that here with Emirates. Uh, the next news that we have is uh, still in the Southeast Asian region. It's involving Sri Lankan Airlines. Uh, they have some fleet modernization stuff going on here. Uh, much, you know, fleet... A really common theme with fleets in Southeast Asia, among the Southeast South, South Asian airlines, um, when I say that, I mean I want to focus specifically on the Indian subcontinent. So you have India and Pakistan and Bangladesh and Sri Lanka. These airlines, they love to lease planes because uh, mainly it's it's obviously a lot cheaper than simply buying one. Uh, but Sri Lankan airlines, they unfortunately have some airplanes in their fleet currently. Uh, which are losing, uh, whose leases have expired, and so they need some new airplanes coming into their fleet. Um, and I think it's about time because I've heard a lot of, you know, reviews regarding their some of their planes, like their A330s, uh, especially the A330 200s, which are like 20 something years old. I don't think those are leased, but um, a bunch of their fleet, I heard, is kind of aging, and replacing some of those planes would be really good. Um, so I, I can't exactly remember how many planes, but I think, uh, let me just briefly refer to the article, um, 12 replacement aircraft by 2025. So Simple Flying's article says that uh, Sri Lankan is hoping to replace about 12 planes in their fleet um, with leased ones. Uh, so I would hope that maybe they'll look into getting some A350s or A330neos. I doubt they'll look into the 787 because their fleet is all Airbus, if I'm not wrong. It's A320s and A321s yes. and A330s. So um, them sticking with Airbus is probably the most likely thing, the uh, most likely way it's going to go. So um, I think it's about time because, like I said, some of their A330s are over 20 years old and they could definitely use some replacing, even though they're not. some of those aren't even leased. But I think it's about time. Uh, their A330 300s, though, I think those are those are much nicer than the 200s. Um, but then again, they are also showing signs of aging and stuff like that. So um, I hope they can pull it out because Sri Lanka, as a country, recently has been going through a lot of economic uh, struggles. So um, Sri Lankan modernizing their fleet is uh, a really good thing to hear, and it's definitely something the airlines should look into because they are a really good airline. I've heard great things about them. Um, it's just the hard product in some in some airplanes, uh, need some work. And I think they can improve that with getting these, uh, new leased airplanes. Um, so what are your thoughts about that? RRA? 
Yeah, I cannot agree more. I mean, it, it's really excited to see the uh, progression going here. And again, it's a very interesting sector. It's a very unique one with all these leases and everything. So it's kind of hard to keep up with it. But I think these 12 aircraft will be of huge benefit to their fleet. And I'll be really excited to see how they decide to implement it in the full details once we get there. So that is very, very exciting. What is not so exciting is somehow Ryanair left four pa 14 passengers behind after a bus mishap. So uh, a seven hours training of these guys ended up hap happening after pretty much what happened was I guess they were getting transported by bus of course it's a common thing in Europe to have buses transporting from the terminal and I guess that they unfortunately had to leave a few passengers because one of the buses wasn't ready and somehow the flight ended up departing without them so the fact that that happens incredible so I guess there was some sort of QR code issue which is very unfortunate um yeah, I don't know if you could do like a second verification to make sure that this doesn't happen, but it appears to be this also wasn't the first time this happened as it's happened several other times to Ryanair as well. So Ryanair's uh, not only bad at landings, they're also bad at it appears to be at uh, leaving passengers um, at the, <laughs> stranded instead of getting on their flight. So at least they got a few vouchers and everything, but still uh, it's, it's just a, it's a head scratcher to me. So definitely very interesting and I'll be eager to hear your thoughts AS. So yeah, as you just said, um, if any airline was to leave its passengers behind, um, it would most definitely be Ryanair. That sounds like a really Ryanair thing. Um, I don't know what else to say. That's really bizarre. And I'm glad that the passengers got some compensation, as you said. But um, knowing that it is Ryanair probably didn't help much at all. Uh, but hey, if that's what you get for paying 10 euros for a flight... Uh, you can't really no. complain much. I mean, the 10 euro flight is unheard of here in the U.S. for, mo for the most part. So um, that's interesting. Um, another thing that's interesting is LATAM Airlines, um, which is basically LAN and LAN and TAM Airlines when they merged a while back. Um, big superpower in South America in that area. Um, they are going to be using drones to inspect their aircraft fuselages, um, and this is going to be, they're going to try this out at their maintenance or MRO facility in Brazil in Sao Carlos. Um, that's really cool, really innovative way to do your, conduct aircraft inspections. Um, I'm eager to see how this will compare to simply to humans, to regular traditional inspections. Um, definitely innovative way to, you know, fly the drone around the aircraft and fly it up close and uh, to inspect the fuselage. I think a big drawback to this is you have to train the people to operate the drones so the drone doesn't crash into the plane and cause even more damage. So that's uh, one hurdle that could be uh, in the way, one hurdle that could be added as a result of employing drones um, in aircraft fuselage inspections. Um, but that's, it's really innovative. Um, they're the first airline to, I think, do this. I don't think any other airline has um, tried to use drones to uh, to inspect their planes. So it's really cool. And like I said, I'm eager to see how this will impact the aircraft maintenance world and if other airlines will also use this uh, tactic in the future. So, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on this? 
Yeah, I definitely think it's a great idea as well. I definitely think that maybe they should have a, a second, like, um, make sure that it's, everything's done properly because obviously with technology, you never know something could slip up. So maybe a human inspection, just a real quick, like, overview or big picture look maybe would be good. But I still think it's a very good idea, and I think it will be very efficient in helping, and I think it can be of huge benefit if done properly. Um, and that, another very interesting topic for airline news is they put a uh, new American Airlines CEO, Robert Islam, in the spotlight. And man, um, it's unfortunate to see this, in my opinion, because I feel like they're jumping a little too far into conclusions. Because obviously, we know what Doug Parker did to American. It's probably not even worth talking about at this point. It's a, It's been a broken record with how many times he's been criticized. But... I guess rightfully so with all the issues he's had. But it seems like they're already jumping on top of Islam, uh, despite only being with the airline. So yeah, nevertheless, it's very interesting to see what's going on here with Islam and American. But I'll be eager to see how they progress for sure. It's going to be very interesting and definitely something to note. AS, would you have to agree with that? For sure. Um, As you said, with Doug Parker, uh, when he was in control of American, you know, he had a lot of controversial moves that are still in place today. And Robert Isom, when he took over, I don't think he has any plan on reversing those. Um, but he has a lot to, I don't want to say he has a lot to make up for, because he's probably not going to change anything that, that uh, Doug Parker did. Um, but he has a big big position to hold, up, obviously, as CEO. Um, I think it is kind of unfortunate that he has been taking so much criticism already. He's only been in the position for not even a month. Maybe he, he he fairly recently he's been in that elected in that position. Um, so it is unfortunate that he's already taking all that negative energy. Um, but hopefully he can make something good out of it and uh, maybe improve American in some way. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Um, like I said, I hope he doesn't jump to conclusions already. Um, that's probably the best way to put it. Um, so um, moving on from that. Qantas has made a $614 million offer to buy fellow Australian carrier Alliance Airlines, um, which is pretty interesting because Alliance is not owned at all by Qantas. It's um, one of the only airlines in Australia, one of the few remaining airlines in Australia um, that Qantas has no part in. Um, Virgin Australia is Virgin Australia even owned by Qantas? I feel like they have some sort of connection to Qantas, but I think I think it's a coaster or something. Okay, but yes, yeah. But Alliance, though, they have they have had no connection with Qantas until now. So um, them making that huge offer, multi hundred million dollar, six hundred some million dollar offer to buy Alliance, um, signals that Qantas doesn't want to take any uh, chances. I mean, Alliance is been growing because they recently added a bunch of E-190s to their fleet um, and they have been growing especially in the rural Australian market so Qantas I guess they want to buy into that they want to grow their network as well and uh, they also don't want to lose out on any important market share it seems like so it's good to see them making that move to buy Alliance and uh, I'm eager to see how it plays out Um, what are your thoughts on this? Likewise, I'm really eager to see what's going to happen. Um, yeah, there's a little bit of fleet commonality there and everything. And it just seems like their markets overlap and all kinds of fun stuff like that. So I definitely think that it would be not a horrible choice. I mean, the consolidation would kind of stink, but it would definitely be something to consider. And I think it would be pretty good, all things considered. So not bad there. 
Uh, another thing that's really, really cool is the 250,000th veteran, veteran participant in the American Airlines Honor Flight program took place, which is super cool. So if you guys don't know, since 2005, American Airlines has been taking uh, members of the U.S. military on this um, on honor flights, which has been really cool. Uh, they've been doing this for almost 20 years at this point, which is very cool. Uh, I think 17, 18, somewhere in there. And they've been doing uh, different flights around the United States to honor these guys. They go all across the United States, lots of Washington, D.C. stuff. And in this example, where the milestone happened was from Phoenix to Baltimore, which is really cool. So very cool to see this. It's been really, really nice to see our veterans honored by American Airlines. And I think this is definitely one of the most unique parts of aviation in various aspects. And I'm going to be eager to hear what AS has to say about that yeah definitely and no better airline to honor uh our veterans than american obviously they have of course the new livery the uh, flagship valor on the 321 they recently rolled out and um yeah it's amazing they've already carried 250,000 uh veterans uh, through the honor flights and it's not just american that have done honor flights i don't think i think sun country has done a few and um i can't remember any any others but i know for a fact that i think sun country might have done a few and then american is really big with the honor flights obviously so um a huge milestone and i think it, it coincides really well because they recently just unveiled flagship valor um so perfect um moving on from that uh qatar airways recently launched a new code share agreement with virgin australia and that means that they now have code shares with both um major australian airlines they of course have always been a partner with qantas because qantas is also in the one world alliance um and now they just recently partnered up with uh, Virgin Australia, which is really interesting. I mean, I never thought they'd partner up with them because that's kind of unlikely. Um, but they just uh, partnered up with them. And they, with this new agreement, um, you cut their Airways passengers get access to 35 Virgin Australia destinations. And um, on the flip side, Virgin Australia passengers can access more than 140 cut their Airways destinations worldwide. Um, you know, them being the big uh, international carrier that they are. Um, so it's great news. Um, what else comes out of this? I don't really know. Um, because Virgin Australia, unfortunately, they did cut back their network quite a bit. Um, I don't even think they have any more long haul flights because all their triple sevens or something, they don't, they don't fly anymore. So the, all they have now is just 737s and I don't, I don't even think they have the A330s anymore either. Um, but good news, got their airways expanding their reach. That's always a good thing. Um, what more can I say about that? Completely agreed. I'm really excited to see what's going to go down there. I think it's really, really nice to see the co-share going down. I think it's going to be really nice to see hopefully some really good coincide action there and hopefully some frequent flyer bases uh, merging very, very well. One topic that we've talked about several times and we're going to continue to talk about is the Spirit Airlines Frontier Airlines proposal merger. They're going to be having a big uh, event on that on June 10th to see what the next steps are going to be. And it's going to be very interesting to see how that goes down. So obviously there's going to be a lot of things that are going to have to go right for this to happen. Of course, the Department of Judges is going to have to uh, be a big part in making it happen. Of course, the JetBlue offer got declined, so hopefully the Frontier deal. Um, there's two ways to look at it for sure, as we talked about, but I'm going to be very eager to see what happened. Both airlines reported losses in Q1 of 2022 for JetBlue, or sorry, sorry, Spirit and Frontier. Spirit at $194 million and Frontier at $100 and 21 million. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. I hope to see. Um, good go down no matter what and it's going to be very interesting to see what happens going into a potential merger would you have to agree with that i guess yeah so uh spirit 
and Frontier, really an unlikely combination when I first heard about the, the two airlines planning to merge. Um, it kind of sucks. I really don't want to see one of them go because it, it is nice to it was yes. nice to have yes. both Spirit and Frontier. Um, but it is crazy that the that it looks like that this proposal might be going through. And like you said, it all depends on the DOJ approving it. Um, but if it really goes in, comes into fruition, it, it'll be crazy to see two big ultra low cost players in the U.S. combine to form one big airline. Um, and if they if Spirit does end up taking up taking over Frontier, uh, it'll be definitely something to behold. One of the really big aviation um, historical moments of not only just the year but in recent history, it's going to be a huge, huge takeover and a huge uh, topic as a whole uh, and moving more into low cost or talking more about low cost airlines um one of the more popular ones obviously southwest is going to be spending two billion dollars to upgrade its passenger experience um really it's nothing much i mean all they're doing is actually this considering it is southwest i guess it is pretty big but um they will be uh, adding in-seat power outlets uh, across their entire fleet and that's going to set set them back two billion dollars which is quite a lot, but um, for an airline like Southwest, who already have so much love, no pun intended, I mean, that love, that's cool. Yes. Um, yes. For an airline like them, who have so much uh, positive reviews, and just everybody loves Southwest. I mean, who doesn't love Southwest? To have all that positive stuff going for them, um, this will just make the passenger experience a lot better. Um, they already have in-flight Wi-Fi, free in-flight entertainment. Um, they have obviously free drinks, snack service, and some really, really good comfortable seats. And uh, it's really good that they're finally adding power outlets and power ports into their seats. Um, one might ask, why didn't they do this earlier? Um, but, you know, at least they're doing it now, which is good. And uh, what more can I say about that? I completely agree, and I'm really excited to see Southwest innovating. They're really making the customer experience really good, and it's just so impressive for such a unique business model to see how far they're innovating, and I'm so excited to see where they're going to come. I mean, that's crazy. Just one type of aircraft that makes such a universal market and going to so many cities across the United States. It is super, super cool. Really excited for what Southwest future holds. I run the air. All right, I'm Sorry about that, guys. Let's give battery number three a try. Nevertheless, uh, very exciting to see Aer Lingus resuming nonstop flights to Los Angeles. It was uh, suspended due to the pandemic. Can't believe that it took so long to come back, but it's really exciting to finally see it come back. Uh, I can't believe it's been so long because they resumed uh, San Francisco February 25th and uh, the various routes last year. So really, really uh, wondering why it took so long, but it's finally back, which is really exciting to see. Adel will also be coming back on July 7th, which will be really nice. And it's really cool to see that they're going to be making a full playlist for the flight so you can listen to uh, a full playlist during the flight to honor the return. So really excited to see that return. I think it's going to be absolutely awesome. AS, any thoughts on that? So yeah, LAX to Dublin, finally it's back. Uh, it's great to see it back. Um, and really nothing else to say. It's good that, like we've mentioned earlier in this episode, travel is coming back, international travel especially. We saw Emirates going to Bali and you know WestJet going to Rome. Um, more and more people are returning to international flying, and it definitely is in play here with Aer Lingus coming back to Los Angeles. Um, great news. And uh, all the best for Lingus for their uh, new service to LAX, not new service, but resume service to LAX. Um, 
Next uh, topic that we have here is the Indian low-cost giant uh, Indigo. Interestingly enough, they are launching a code share agreement with Air France KLM Group, um, which is really interesting because they don't really have much overlap, Indigo and you know the Air France KLM Group. The only overlap that I can really think of is um, those airlines like Air France and KLM on their flights into Indian cities like uh, Delhi, Delhi and Mumbai. Um, you know, they can have some connected connections going on with Indigo flights to other cities within India. Um, so it's cool because with this code share agreement, you can basically buy tickets on Air France or KLM flights through Indigo's website. And likewise, you can buy tickets on Indigo through Air France or KLM. So um, like I mentioned earlier, I think the best way that this agreement is going to go, is going to work out is that, you know, if you want to fly to a smaller Indian city like Chennai, for example, or even smaller, let's say, I don't know, what's a smaller city in India? Like, not even a small city, like, like a different city that, that these airlines don't fly uh, to, like uh, on on West Coast, West, not, that's not even West Coast, but in the east of India, like Col- Calcutta or Kolkata. Um, Air France, Kalem don't even fly there. So if you want to fly Indigo from Delhi or something to that city or to Chennai or Kochi or something like that, um, you can book that ticket through KLM, fly KLM from Amsterdam to Mumbai and then Indigo connect from Mumbai to Kochi or something else, some other Indian city. Um, it's midnight, so I'm, I can't remember any other cities, but um, it's good. It's a good, Indigo's a monster. Um, they have a huge, they, they are India's biggest airline and uh, it's cool that they're expanding their reach all the way to Europe. Um, I think they were actually planning flights to Europe with their A321neos. I don't know if that ever materialized or that if that's ever going to start, but it's cool. It's cool news. Um, so, Red River, what do you have to say about that? Yes, of course. Really excited to see this going down. I think it's going to be really, really cool. Um, yes, the coast share is going to be really nice, and it's going to be an easy way for them to connect on. I think all these uh, partnership agreements are going to be really beneficial for all the airlines involved. I'm really excited to see where it's going to progress going forward. Alrighty, everybody. So that will do for our airline news, and now we'll transition it into industry news. As you guys may or may not know, AS Aviation is a huge aviation enthusiast, as you guys have been able to tell throughout this episode. But AS Aviation has a lot of amazing ties to Pakistan. As you guys may or may not know, AS Aviation has some family in Pakistan. Has been uh, Pakistan Aviation has been a huge part of his life over the last uh, probably two decades at this point. He's really enjoyed learning about it and has uh, taught us so much. Uh, throughout his YouTube channel and every, all the information that he's gathered, which is really, really awesome. He's made several phenomenal trip reports going out that way and several great model airports, including Karachi and Pakistan, excuse me. But it's been really, really cool to hear about all the knowledge on Pakistan aviation. And AES Aviation is kind enough to give you guys the rundown on Pakistan aviation and kind of what's been going on as of late with Pakistan aviation. So with all that being said, I would like to hand it off to AES Aviation to give us a rundown on Pakistan aviation in the field as a whole. Yeah, thanks so much. Um, really, it's uh, really cool to be talking about this, um, especially on this podcast. Um, because I don't, I think this is a topic that not many people um, touch on. So I'm really happy to be talking about it today. Um, so Pakistan is actually, for, for those who don't know, it's the fifth biggest country in the world by population. It's like over 230 something million people live there. Um, but unfortunately, the 
the air you know the air travel market there is historically not been really good um it's developing lately it's been developing much faster than it has in uh you know previously um but a lot of people there most of the population actually cannot afford to you know fly um from what i from my understanding um so what the market the aviation market there re- recently it's been getting more tailored to you know bringing those fares down especially within the within the country um so you've we've seen a lot of new airlines emerging especially in the over the past 6 years um uh, we've seen the likes of Serene Air which began operations in 2016 uh just back in 2020 you have Air Seoul who is uh, a really big privately uh, owned airline they have big financial backing um they recently began operations back in 2020 and uh just up and coming right now actually we have a new airline called Flight Jeanna um they're actually owned by Air Arabia so they have i think they're part owned by some private Pakistani company and they also have a big stake uh from Air Arabia so they will be starting operations next month i think um so they already have some planes and cabin crew already to go um so the market has been evolving in Pakistan especially domestically um like i said it's a big country with over 230 million people um so domestic travel is really big um you really need more more planes in the domestic sector uh compared you know when you have when you look at Pakistan right now i think i could be wrong but i think in total across the four major airlines you know PIA Airblue Serene and Air Seoul um you only have like 50 40 50 planes total and for 200 something million people that's uh, really nothing uh you compare that to a country like Turkey who has a fraction of that number in terms of population um and you look at the amount of airplanes they have you know Turkish Airlines and Pegasus Airlines and Anadolu Jet whatever airlines they have over in Turkey Turkish Airlines just just even looking at Turkish Airlines um that's a, a huge airline and Turkey is significantly smaller in terms of uh overall population so you know Pakistan has really been struggling with developing their domestic sector in terms of air travel and it finally looks like it's um it's getting to that point it's nowhere near the point they want to be at but it is developing at um a really fast pace which is really good to see um the real question is are the airports ready for that increase uh in you know in traffic a lot of the airports are kind of outdated like karachi especially has a, a it's a, when you look at the population karachi has it's a pretty small airport i mean the domestic terminal there only has what like seven something gates and that's not much at all um and that kind of speaks that's exactly how the entire aviation market is there it's too small for the clientele that it's serving um so i hope they can renovate or you know make some improvements like the new islamabad airport that opened up back in 2018 um that's a great facility and even that maybe that might be too small when you look at the domestic side um but yeah the industry's evolving it's good it needs to evolve a little more um you don't even need to look farther than right next door look to india which actually is probably a bad comparison because india is like 10 times the size they have 10 times the population um but they have a huge domestic network 
you know, Indigo, like I mentioned, like we mentioned earlier in the podcast, is a monster. They have over 200 planes, and then you have Air Asia India, you have Vistara, you have Air India, you have Jet Airways on the comeback. You have a lot of options over there, um, and India's really been revolutionized by the low cost market. And this ties back into what we mentioned earlier. You know, low cost is the new way to go. I mean, low cost has revolutionized the world, and you can see it everywhere. Um, so that's something that Pakistan needs too. They need low cost airlines, um, and they need that overall cost of flying to be reduced there, like we've seen in Canada and the U.S. and India. Um, so maybe we could. We, we, Air, 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 Arabia is the first, you know, foreign carrier to invest in a a new airline for Pakistan, a new domestic airline, um, and hopefully we'll see more of that. You know, maybe Air Asia, like they did in India, they can do something in Pakistan. I don't know if they will because Air Asia is already going through a lot of struggles financially. Um, but low cost, that's the way to the way to go. And uh, you know, Pakistan's already they, they're doing really good internationally. PIA, not really, but um, when you look at international airlines, you know, Emirates is. I like to call them Pakistan's unofficial flag carrier because they they literally are just killing every like they they their first flight was Dubai to Karachi back in 1985 the first ever flight and then they've just built off that success um, so in short to, fit, to summarize you know the industry in Pakistan has a lot of potential but it needs to grow more to reach that potential when we look at it on the international side of things. It's a bit better, but the domestic um, sector is really an area where it needs to improve. And I think the best way to reach that is uh, through more low-cost airlines getting into the market. Um, and that way more people can afford to fly. And, you know, it'll be easier for them to visit loved ones, friends, and just get around easier. So that's my brief rundown on the aviation industry, uh, on the Pakistan aviation industry. There's a lot of things I didn't cover. Maybe I might, might have forgotten to cover. Um but I hope that was a brief rundown, a, a, a nice look into things there, um, a, a part of the world that many people don't really know about, and uh, hope you learn, learn something new in that aspect. And that's all I have regarding that. So thanks a lot for letting me cover um, cover this. That's a it's, it feels great to be able to talk about that stuff. Of course, you're most certainly welcome, and thank you so much for doing as such. Uh, if you guys would like to maybe see a more in-depth analysis, maybe even a whole episode, who knows, please let us know. AS uh, really appreciates all the support, and we can't thank him enough for being here. So maybe we can organize that if there's plenty of demand for it. I'm sure it is. So be sure to let him know. Give him the appreciation, guys. It means a lot to him, and we cannot thank him enough. Thank you so much, AS. We really appreciate it. Into industry news, we do have some good stuff here to finish off our episode today. So in one year, you are going to need a real photo ID to, to travel domestically in the United States. So be sure to get that. It's going to be on May 3rd of 2023 that you're going to need that. There's various things that you can do, a passport, um, traveler cards, defensive ID. There's several things that you can do. So just be sure to get your ID so you're able to fly uh, 18 and older, of course. So be sure you have that ready to go and you're going to need that going into the future. Yeah, nothing else. Uh, I, I I can't really add anything else. The real ID is uh, really important. I have to actually get on top of that myself. I'm not too sure how uh, the process works with getting a real ID certified, you know, your driver's license, real ID compliant. Um, but I guess just go to your DMV, see what you can do about that. And uh, we have one more year. So if you don't get it by May 2023, Third. May 3rd, 2023, um, you won't be able to 
fly domestic gear anywhere, so better get on top of that. Uh, Alright, the next uh, bit of news here when we're going into industry news is regarding the relationship between aviation and 5G. So 5G has been taking the country by storm. Um, a lot of my friends, a lot of people around the U.S. have already gotten their cellular plans adjusted to 5G. They have those 5G plans. I personally don't have 5G right now, um, but who cares about that? We're here to talk about the relationship with the uh, 5G and aviation. So for those that don't know, back in January, if you don't remember this, um, anybody watching, there was a big, big concern with the 5G cell towers and how they were affecting airplanes like the 777. Um, a lot of 5G cell towers were set up by, they were set up nearby international airports, major airports like O'Hare and um, maybe LAX and JFK and stuff like that. Um, and what would happen is that the 5G, I guess the, how do you say, the um, just the signals coming out of those towers, they would, you know, have a negative, they would really be affecting the instruments on planes like the 777. Um, they would interfere with the radios and stuff like that. Um, I can't, I don't want to get too far in depth into that, into the logistics or the real details behind what was going on. But in short, the 5G interference with the 777 um, instruments, it caused a lot of airlines that flow that flew 777s to U.S. cities to suspend flights and cancel them. Like Emirates, for example, they were one. Um, they're actually one of the only ones. Other airlines, I don't know what, what happened with them, but um, I do remember Emirates being especially affected. And I also remember being really worried because I was actually in Pakistan at that time and I was reading all these articles regarding 5G and the 777s and flights being suspended indefinitely. And um, I was worried because I was actually supposed to fly, the, uh, you know, Qatar Airways 777 back to Chicago. Um, and I didn't know what was going to happen with that. So I remember being especially worried about how that would affect the industry. But luckily it just, um, some consens- consensus was reached and, uh, you know, Triple seven operations to the U.S. are back to normal now. Um, as far as the technology, as far as you know, technology goes with five G. I'm not too well versed with it because I haven't looked into five G too much myself. Um, but Red River, if you want to go more in depth on the topic, feel free because I, I I would like to know more myself. Yeah, so it's a really in depth topic that has a lot of connotation to it. Five uh, G is just such a strong signal, and the wavelengths that just come out of the towers are so much more stronger that a lot of these aircraft that were developed previously just cannot quite take the uh, amplitude of those signals. Which is definitely, it's tough. It's tough, and I mean, this is kind of one thing in technology that we're going to see going forward a lot is we're going to have a lot of mutual conflicts that could really affect the industry, whether it's cell phone signal towers or whatever technology they use for air traffic control signals. And I mean, you can go, it's a long list of things that could be affected, but we can go all the way back to the early days of how all this technology developed. And especially in the last 10 years, how much more it's developed. It's just crazy to see what it's turned into. And 5G is definitely going to have a huge impact on it. I mean, it's just crazy as a student pilot to see notums about 5G signals on the darn um, Stillwater Regional Airport um, notums list, which is just insane. It's it's a cell phone signal. Why would that be a notice to airmen? I mean, it's just, oh man, what can I say at this point? Again, aviation's been kind of bizarre lately, and that's kind of what we're going to anticipate to see coming, but... 
It's it's absolutely crazy. I I don't. I mean, there's so many ways to swing it. If you guys would like to see a full segment on that, let us know. But five G is a topic that we go even farther, more in depth into. I mean, again, it's going to be an ongoing issues. Thank gosh, AS make it, made it back safe, and even got the fly three fifty out of the deal. So that ended up working out pretty well. But nevertheless, it happens, and it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen going forward, and if they'll have to draw the line going forward, and it's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens. Something a little bit more uh, concrete news, though, is Ember secures the first customer for the converted freighters on their Ember at your J-195s, which is really exciting. So the airline that's going to be doing it is a large leasing company, and that will be Nordic Aviation Capital, or NAC. It's going to be really excited that they're going to be converting up to 10 of those into freighters, which is very nice. The PF2, as it will be called, beginning in 2024. Really excited to see who will end up leasing these. I think Azul is going to be getting a portion of them, which is really nice. So Azul Cargo seems like a lot of these airlines are getting cargo man it's kind of sad to see that i'm growing up a little bit because i remember all these aircraft 737s a321s ever 195s these are all passenger aircraft but now they're turning into cargo aircraft so it's crazy to see how time's flying but that sure is and i'm sure as can attest to that in various ways for sure um it's crazy to think of a ember 195 freighter that's really interesting um that'll probably be like one of the first of its kind. I mean, what other regional jets do you do you see in in freighter variants? I can't think of any. You don't. Can you think of any? I, I maybe there's some that are really obvious, but I can't think of any. Um, no, I'm, no, I'm I'm thinking. thinking. I'm thinking. Um, I oh maybe like I know there's like one CRJ two. There's a few CRJ two hundred freighters. Yeah, Air Wisconsin. Yeah. 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 Um, there's one there's outside. A few I'm not, no 700s, no 90s. I can't really think of any 145s and not even any 175s. So I think this is probably pretty much the first of its kind, which is insane. I do remember there's like a few in Mexico from not Is it Aeronaves? But they have Aeronaves, DC DC 9s and MD 80s or whatever. But there's some operator in Mexico that has like a few CRJ 200 freighters. And there's IFL group here in the US that have, I think, one. CRJ 200 freighter, but either way, an e-jet freighter is a really cool concept. Um, I, it's hard to imagine how that's going to look like, but as you said, it's, it is kind of sad to see these growing, you know, having grown up with all these planes, having come to that point where they're being, they're starting to be phased out, replaced by newer planes, and that these planes are going to be going into that cargo conversion. It's, it makes us feel old, but that's life. What can you do about it? Um, so moving into the next topic is a big airspace incident drama uh, in Mexico City where two Volaris A320neos, I think, were they both neos? I can't remember, but I do basically, or yeah, they were both neos. Uh, two Volaris 320 neos were involved in a, uh, I don't want to say near-miss incident, but uh, one A320 was coming into land at Mexico City from Mazat- Mazatlan, uh, domestic flight there, and uh, it was coming in for runway five left, and then simultaneously, as it was being cleared to land, uh, another Velaris 320 Neo, which was going to go to, uh, it says here, it was operating for Velaris Costa Rica, so it was going to go. The article says it was operating the flight Mexico City, Guatemala, San Jose, which is weird because Guatemala is a country, so I'm assuming they meant Guatemala City. And then to San Jose, um, but another Velars 320 Neo was waiting to depart on the runway, 
and then at the last second the the crew of the a320 neo coming into land they aborted landing and did a go around which was good that it was caught and uh, apparently somebody filmed that incident too but i have not looked seen the video at all so i guess i should take a look at that because i'm curious to see how that played out um yes but it seems that it was kind of a atc error or something like that um definitely interesting we've seen a lot of these near misses happen um not in the exact same way but in similar ways like i think um you know, certain ATC issues like an Air Canada A320, I think, landed on a taxiway at San Francisco a few years back, or was about to land on a taxi. I can't remember what exactly, but um, bottom line, interesting incident. And uh, Red River, I'd love to hear your thoughts uh, regarding this one as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's absolutely insane to see what's going on, man. I mean, it really doesn't help, excuse me, obviously, as they've been having a lot of issues with the airspace as a whole. And now, just to add this on top of it, it's insane. I mean... Um, one th- one principle that we've seen a lot is obviously for as many good things that go right, one good thing going wrong does not help, and this is definitely a prime example of it. So for all of those good ATC uh, moments, that one bad one, I, I mean, it's a very tough job, and you there's no lead way. It's a number one safety job. So it's very unfortunate, but something happened, and hopefully uh, improvement to come going forward. A United Express CRJ200 stops on the grass after a Houston rolling incursion, which is uh, very unfortunate. So it was carrying 13 passengers coming in from Victoria, Texas on a short flight right there. Um, and I guess there was just some sort of steering issue that caused the aircraft to not be able to uh, steer off. And it just came to a stop in the grass. And just 13 passengers, so a very light load for the 50 CRJ200, of course. Uh, registration on that aircraft was November 965 Sierra Whiskey, which was a 2003 built uh, Skywest CRJ 200. This aircraft had uh, 42,241 hours on it and 35,876 cycles with the average state length. So the average flight time was one hour and 11 minutes. So pretty solid stuff right there. And uh, glad to see everybody okay, but definitely um, another very interesting event to say at least, as I'm sure AS would agree to that. For sure, this is like one of the only incidents I've heard of regarding a United CRJ200 doing a, you know, sliding off the runway or doing a runway excursion. Because uh, normally, as we all know, it's always been envoy air, CRJ145 sliding off the runway in however way they can. Um, <laughs> but it's good. Nobody was injured or severely injured on this flight. And uh, the damage doesn't seem too catastrophic. I mean, what what do I know? I don't know much, but um, it doesn't seem like the plane will get written off. I'm sure it'll be returned back to service um, soon. Uh, so that it's good that it wasn't super serious, but then again, uh, still pretty unfortunate that that happened in the first place. Um, as we approach the end of the episode, uh, one another uh, topic that we have to cover here, really relevant to today. Um, Europe will be soon dropping its mask mandate for air travel. Um, some countries, I know for a fact Sweden, I think it was Sweden, they recently, not even recently, a while ago, they actually dropped their mandate for certain flights or domestic flights within Sweden. Um, Sweden or Norway, somewhere in Scandinavia, they uh, dropped the mandate for, for flights within the country, which was, they were one of the first countries to do that, actually. Um, but now the European Union they recently announced that wearing face masks will no longer be mandatory in European airports and on flights within Europe from next week. 
uh, or from whenever this article was published, so six days ago. So maybe by already by now the mask mandate has been dropped, um, so you don't have to wear masks in European airports and stuff. Um, which, uh, I mean, you can look at it both ways. I mean, number one, it shows that the world is returning normal because here in the U.S. we also had, had our mask mandate removed earlier in this month, um, and it was kind of weird to see that, you know, traveling recently. Um, so it's good to see stuff returning to normal, but at the same time, you know, people have their own opinions regarding the pandemic, and cases have been going up more recently. You know, they have been increasing lately. So, you know, a big question is, will the mandates stick or will they be reinstated? Who knows? Um, but what are your thoughts regarding that? Yeah, it's a very interesting topic for sure. Um, yeah, I guess it's just kind of domino effect. U.S. lets theirs go. Europe lets theirs go. And I'm sure we're going to see more to come as well. Um, yeah, like you said, cases are slightly rising, which is a little worrisome. And it's going to be interesting with the summer, of course. Uh, I don't expect many precautions to be took throughout the uh, various countries. So, um I think personally it's kind of one of those own deals that everybody suffers no matter what. So any person can take a precaution, but pretty much you have the other side of the spectrum where other people will not. And as a result of that, you're going to see everybody facing the consequence as not being able to do stuff or whatever you want to do. So um, not literally speaking, but kind of figuratively speaking, of course, that kind of is a big, big picture effect. So. Again, it's one of those deals. I think we're definitely making progress, but I still don't think we're out of the woods yet. But again, everybody has their own opinions on it. And I just hope for progression. I kind of want to get back to where we were. I think everybody's kind of in that a ballpark trying to get back to where we were. So it's going to be interesting going forward, but definitely uh, something to keep an eye on for sure. Last but certainly not least, a Blue Air Boeing 737 struck uh, landing in Naples, Italy, hard enough to cause structural damage, which is really unfortunate. So this was uh, Yankee Yankee Romeo Bravo Mike Mike. This aircraft made a hard enough landing to uh, have structural damage on the fuselage. So it had a really bad tail strike on the landing, which was unfortunate. On May 6th, this aircraft was coming in from... uh, I'm not even going to try that airport. It's OTP. It was heading into Naples in southern Italy. Unfortunately, it struck really bad. Got some really nice scrapes and indentations in the fuselage, which was really unfortunate. So, uh, yeah, it, the descent rate um, for this aircraft, I guess it doesn't say, but it was saying, um, just talking about the parameters of it, but it didn't say the actual amount, which was unfortunate. So, going to be interesting to see what they do with this aircraft. I don't know if they'll necessarily write it off, but this aircraft entered service with Pegasus Airlines, ironically, as we talked about them in March of 2010, and Blue Air got it in December of 2017. So, it's been very interesting to see what's going on, and uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens going forward, but very unfortunate to see that 737 get some stretchable damages. I'm sure AS would agree to that. Yeah, I mean, hard landings, especially those that cause damage to the plane, are no fun. I mean, we saw it recently, um, a little more than not even recently, but when a United 757 had a pretty hard landing at Newark a while ago, um, it landed so hard that the nose gear got really damaged. There's like a big crack in the, I don't want to say crack, but the nose gear got especially damaged um, when that plane landed at Newark a while ago, and that that airplane ended up being scrapped. So hopefully this, uh, the Blue Air 737, hopefully it doesn't, you know, reach that end of its life. Um, hopefully it'll get repaired and return back to service. Because if it was a tail strike, um, the 737 has like the tail strike bump uh, thing at the, you know, on the back to, you know, alleviate the impact of a tail strike. So 
hopefully the the authorities can, you know, get the. Pro- I mean, how do I say this? Hopefully, the authorities can. Actually, the authorities won't have anything Make to do with necessary this, actions. Necessary actions. Yeah, yeah. Do take the proper actions, and uh, hopefully, their their analysis isn't too harsh that it ends up, you know, scrapping the airplane. But uh, you know, I hope that plane will return to service. We'll see what happens. But um, it is an aircraft incident, and however how how it happened, that's a uh, you know that's a different story. But it was unfortunate, and I hope the airplane will return to service soon but we'll see regarding that and that's all i have to say regarding that topic to me as well and that's all she wrote for industry news and the full news for today's episode of the v1 rotate podcast uh this was a long episode so thank you guys so much for watching and i cannot thank as aviation enough for making this happen his complimentary um uh, discussion was very much appreciated today, and I can't thank him enough. There was so much good knowledge in here, and I really, really appreciate it. AS, thank you so much, man. I cannot thank you enough, and I just want to give you some time to say a few things because I just cannot thank you enough, and it really means a lot to me. And Citrus, thank you so much, man. Yeah, my pleasure. It was a lot of fun coming on here and talking about aviation, all aspects of it. Um, I learned a lot. There were some topics here that I didn't know about previously, and it was really cool to talk about it with you and discuss it today. And uh, to everybody who listened and joined on today's episode, thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed it. And as always, be sure to give your feedback um, in the comments or however. Um, We all love feedback, and we all love to look for ways to improve the content. Um, Yeah, it was amazing. It was my first time ever being on a podcast because I'm not too familiar with how these work. Um, I don't have the full like mic set up that, that you see on podcasts like um, Red River and Citrus Aviation have. But regardless, it was a lot of fun, and I'm glad we were able to set this up. And uh, I hope Citrus, I was a good enough um, substitute for you. But either way, I'm re- really, really a big fan of the V1 Rotate podcast. The way um, you know the focus behind it, everything. I think it's great, um, and I can't wait. For more episodes coming from you guys in the future thanks a lot for having me it was a pleasure and uh red river take it away to conclude yeah so thank you thank you so much as aviation uh hopefully you'll be able to come back if you'd like to here in the future as well really appreciate your complimentary uh discussion it was just absolutely incredible i uh, really hope you guys enjoyed today's episode of the v1 rotate podcast i'm sure every one of you guys are probably d- tired of listening to my voice so we're going to conclude this very quickly but lots of great evidence excited for next time hope you guys are as well uh again thank you so much as aviation please go check out his youtube guys and his instagram and all of his socials he does a phenomenal job on his content and it should not go unnoticed it is so incredible and there is a reason that he has been grinding so hard to this point 10 years i know that his channels uh you know i've recently seen the majority of its growth in the last two three years but i'm definitely going to appreciate those original days of air track two or five eight five nine excuse me sorry it's midnight uh but those days, very much appreciated, man. The grind, it, it's it's a persistent, man. And we're sharing our passion. We're doing what we love and love what we do. And that is all she wrote. We'd love to see it. And we're going to continue to progress as such. So thank you guys so much for watching today's episode of the V1 Rotate Podcast. I'll do it for Citrus today since he's not here. You are cleared for takeoff. Have a fantastic day, everybody. Thank you guys so much for watching and listening. And we'll be excited to talk to you guys very soon. Thank you guys so much for listening. You're cleared for takeoff. And we'll see you guys soon. Signing off from the V1 Rotate Podcast.